listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back for another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with the man Jeff Hughes. I am the man Jeff the Man Hughes. And I'm here to tell it like it is <laughs> to all you listeners in wrestling podcast land. Welcome everybody. Apologies to those of you who are early adopters of our show. And by that I mean we're jumping on the, the upload this week as quickly as possible. I uploaded the wrong file and that caused some problems. So hopefully you've been able to hear part two of Saturday Night's Bit Event. Number nine. I told you, Draper, you're spending too much time with your wife and kid buying houses, <laughs> looking after your responsibilities. You got to focus on your priorities. Legendary wrestling obsession, number one every day. <laughs> I did make a mistake. So hopefully you did find the proper episode and it'll be out there for you. So as you know, we are on the path for Saturday's main event, March 14th. In 1987, the setup show to WrestleMania 3. It is a long path That's full right. of many very spectacular sights and deviations and diversions and distractions. Last week, we kind of, you know, left things off with most of January, a little bit of February, a heartbreaking loss for the British Bulldogs, and so many other things. But this week, we want to... Yeah, it doesn't hurt as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts. I still cry every night. <laughs> Time heals all wounds. That's right. Especially when you hear that Dynamite was kind of a jerk. It's like, All it takes right. the edge off. Takes <laughs> stop, the edge off. Stop ruining it for me. <laughs> I will say, though, don't worry. They'll get it back. They'll get it, won't they? Won't they That's get right. There? They'll be champs forever in well, my head. There's still a little gold, though, in the future. Just don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. It's going to be a yes. tag team gold, but the best is yet to come for Davey, boy. Davey's got lots to, lots to go. Dynamite's runway is quite a bit shorter. Okay, here we go. So this week, we are going to focus on the rest of what's remaining to get us ready for WrestleMania 3. And we're going to roll this out a little different than normal. We're going to kind of jump all over the place. But we're going to just get into it hot and heavy right now. Because one of the things we've been saving, and we've teased it many times, is the important happenings of late 86, 87, Jake the Snake Roberts, and the transformation of like pretty much the top one of the top heels of the World Wrestling Federation into one of the top baby faces without a real true turn. Like, you know, it's it's interesting the way he transitioned from like this nefarious heel into like the, one of the most beloved people and the crowd kind of made it happen. You know, like the, I think it the, wasn't booking. It was fan reaction. That's right. That turned Jake from this heel who just like laid out Steamboat. Steamboat was the king of taking beatings, you know, <laughs> yep. strangulations and ambushes and, you know, all these devastating unsportsmanlike attacks. So Jake was, you know, sort of the latest in the a long line of bad guys who <laughs> beat the crap out of Steamboat. But it did seem on another level when he laid out Steamboat. But yeah. Steamboat, of course, you know, we all know he moved on to a feud with Savage. But this gained Jake as many fans, yeah. you know, the, the, the all the awful stuff he did to Steamboat, attacking him on the outside and everything. So we love looking back. You know, we did the November 1986 Saturday Night's event, this amazing Savage versus Snake match 
where the crowd just organically like sided with Jake. You know, like they came into it and everyone's like, well, who are they going to cheer for? They hate both these guys. And it was very clear, like five seconds into the match. No, no, <laughs> they love Elizabeth. They really like Jake and they really hate Savage. Yeah, it's also not much of a mystery now when you look at the bullying, you know, cowardly <laughs> so-called macho man. Although not so macho man, as I like to call him, so it's a gorilla. It's uh, pretty clear now, you know, stepping back, obviously you're going to boo this guy who bullies a beautiful woman. So my memories, I would say, are that from the November Saturday Night event match, that's like the first inkling of Jake being a good guy. And then, you know, we fast forward and there's, you know, something coming up with Honky and then he's a good guy. But there's so much in between. And the booking, and I've talked about this a little bit, but I just want to reemphasize it, is so strange for Jake the Snake in like December and January and February. It's just all over the place. He is he is being flipped back and forth. You know, he's wrestling Kamala and Bundy and he's, you know, clearly the, ba- you know, the baby face in those matches. But then he's back to like abusing Coco Beware and Tito Santana and all these different people and and all the stuff that's coming up and it, it just keeps flipping back and forth. And as we'll see, he has, you know, he he's, they don't know what to do with them almost. I'm not sure. Or they're, or they're keeping both feet on both sides of the line. And maybe they're, you know, want to have options to do whatever they want with them. But it's really neat how his character progresses and how it sort of just shifts and transforms into like, you know, let's call him the gatekeeper. He eventually gets into that position that many wrestlers have been, which is sort of the, hey, if you're going to get to Hogan, you got to go through me. And it's, you know, Jake's that guy for a while anyways. Absolutely. Well, I think Vince had it wrong. He was super excited about Jake and Hogan uh, with people cheering Hogan. That's right, yes. Those are the broad strokes. We can get into it more detailed. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard Jake talk about it. And uh, we we have some reference to Hogan talking about it. That's right. I, I want to give you, we'd like to use a little audio clip, not from a wrestling show, but from one of our favorite performers, Brian Cranston, who is from Breaking Bad, was also in a crappy movie called Godzilla. The, <laughs> the military is feeding him some bullshit line about like, oh, no, no, there's no Godzilla. And he calls them out <laughs> on their bullshit. So we want, you, we, want you, we want you to hear that. Right? That's fine, because I know what happened here. And you keep telling everybody that this place is a death zone, but it's not. You're lying. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. I'm right, aren't I? Hogan, you're lying. <laughs> Hogan says all this shit about they couldn't get a reaction from the crowd. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but yeah. gun. Probably I jumped in the gun right now. But, no, but it's fine. It's, it's, all, okay, well, it's all organic. It's fine. It's okay, so Hogan says that the crowd, they, they weren't into it. Yeah. They, and um, so have like, we have like we a fu- like a funeral parlor or something funeral yeah, home like we tried they, they our couldn't best. get a reaction. Yeah. So I think we teased this already. I saw the match in Winnipeg between Hogan and Jake. Corey says he saw the missing DDT of Jake and Hogan. So I think we covered this last week a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let, let's, let's just start right from the, the, the sort of the scratch of it, and this will all play into it. We'll just keep going with it. So on December 10th, there was a recording for a wrestling challenge. It's noted in the history of WWE.com that there's basically a snake pit with Jake the Snake and Hulk Hogan and it never makes air except for in two locations, in Providence and in Winnipeg. And this is sort of like I said, the Tom McGee, like that missing footage of that Tom McGee versus Bret Hart match. Well, now the 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 you know the, the unicorn everyone's trying to find is the missing snake pit. Because not knowing, without having getting to rewatch it since I saw it as a kid, I can't give you the blow by blow. But the general gist of it is Hogan appears on the snake pit again, because he's already been on it before. 
and some there's some kind of an altercation, and at some point, Jake throws powder in his eyes and manages to DDT him on the set. And what everyone and says- leaves him. Leaves, and leaves him, him Yeah, leaves him, leaves him laying, as they say in wrestling. And the thing okay, is- Okay, well, here's where Jake tells the story. Go ahead. With DDP. Yeah. Okay, so I watched a few clips. Jake says he goes backstage, yeah. and Vince is there, and he hugs him. And says, Jake, we're going to make so much money. And, you know, the, you know, they're waiting. Hogan hasn't gotten up yet. And Jake and Vince peek through the, the curtain. And, and then Jake's wondering, what's he waiting for? And Vince McMahon is counting his chickens of all the cash they're going to make with this big Jake and Hogan feud. And, and Jake says, or he, he alleges, now this, you know, could be a bit of, my memory is, yeah. you know, hey. Anyway, so for what it's worth, he's got a, you know, a real cool version of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he know? has a good version yeah. of the story, yeah. So, basically, they're doing a little dance backstage, McMahon and Jake, and <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're waiting for the. McMahon says, "Okay, so the crowd's gonna yell Hogan, 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 and he's gonna get up and then rah, and then we're all gonna laugh our way to the bank." Yeah. Instead, what do they chant? Three letters. D D T D D T, and Vince McMahon's face falls, Ugh. and he looks at Jake. And he says, oh, that's not what we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. That's, uh, and Jake's like, well, we can't give it a chance. He's like, mm-mm. And they said, sorry, that's that's the wrong reaction. Yeah. And so this is why we only got three matches. Yeah, it's interesting. And they're kind of spaced out. So you almost think like if McMahon had sort of made this decision the way it's been alleged by a lot of people, including Jake, I don't understand why they followed through with a couple of the matches, but, you know, they did. And so we'll just keep going with what we know, right? We can only speculate on what we don't know. So we'll keep going with what we do know. And when I got to, when a couple months ago we were doing a show where Hogan appeared on the Snake Pit, and it primarily was a, you know, a double play on words of pythons. Hogan showing off his pythons and Jake talking about his python. Yeah, with and tape measures. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. And, and, and like, so like they're measuring Hogan's arm. I don't know if they actually measured it. That's but what was, Jake tells. Okay, this yeah. Is I Jake's... I, we watched it a couple months ago. It, that's not what it was, unless it was another one we haven't seen. But, okay, well, yeah. let me just, like, Jake, he's got these great memories. He says, okay. so Hogan's got the weight bench, right? <laughs> we measured Damien and he's like 22 inches. And Hogan, <laughs> Hogan's measured, we measure him and he's like 21 and a half. He's like, wait a minute. And, you know, then he goes and starts working the weights, you know, yeah, yeah, actually yeah. literally pumping up his muscles. I guess when the blood, you know, I, I, I'm no yeah, scientist. I don't think but, you can add, I don't think you can add uh, two and a half inches, but I, got, I get your gist. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess I, I sometimes do, I feel after a workout, you know this too, you, you oh, feel yeah, bigger, yes, you, right? You can definitely make you, your bicep bigger, you know, you like look in the mirror, briefly. <laughs> everything yeah. for a bit looks all, get the blood flowing in there. Yeah. yeah after yeah. a workout, sometimes you look a little ripped sometimes, yes, you know, you get, yeah. you, or you've convinced yourself. I, I've seen it said <laughs> many times that like, you know, Hogan never had 24 inch arms. He had 22 right. inch arms, which are like massive, right? right. 22 is huge. He, they just went with 24 because it was even bigger than the, you know, the biggest, you know, like, you know, all these massive bodybuilder guys, like, you so know, Jake tells it like, you know, he's like, well, I need another inch. And he goes back to the weight bench and does another bunch of reps. And then they go, okay, <laughs> 22 and a half. And he getting eventually he wins the battle of size. Yeah. His yeah. Python's bigger. Yeah, maybe it's a clip we just haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know, the, the other thing, like we love Jake, but there is one error that he, he says two places, Providence, Rhode Island yeah. and Montreal. Oh, geez. And like, yeah, yeah. DDP doesn't correct him. Well, and, he probably doesn't even know. Yeah. But, uh, Jake, it, it's us. It's Winnipeg. Yeah. We love it, you. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was us. I was there. Exactly. And then, you know, so that was just a slip of the tongue. So when I reviewed that initial snake pit, which was very early, it was one of the first snake pit that aired on TV, I'm expecting to see. And I don't remember how it happened. I just knew 
Jake DDT'd Hogan. I remember seeing that as a kid. And I was like, and then when Hogan left and said like, you know, would I, would you turn your back on? He says, what? Separate pits, obviously. Aren't they? Uh, snake pits. Yes. There's, yeah, there's a couple of snake pits. Yeah, so there's yeah. one, there's one that we reviewed a few shows ago and the whole thing ends with Jake asking him, would you turn your back on a man you're afraid of? And then Hogan says no. no. And then, and then turns his back on him and yeah. walks away. Uh, yeah. And so I was expecting Jake to like grab him or something and do something. And, but then the segment just ended and I was like, Oh, weird. And then I started looking into this stuff, and that's where I came across this whole, oh, this never aired in like you know, it aired in Winnipeg and it aired in Providence, but it didn't air, you know, in these other places, and it hasn't survived. You know, nobody's uploaded their own VCR copy of it. So, did you see the tape measure? No. Okay. If I did, I don't remember it. Like if okay. I saw it as a kid, I don't remember it, and I definitely haven't seen it. You know, in our you know since we've been running doing the show, so we so we have to just kind of move forward with what so. When I read about this this DET, I was like, "That's what I remember seeing. That's what you know. That's what you, I've missed." You read about the DET oh, well, on, on, the, on the history of WWE.com. It okay. notes. It makes a note during the TV tapings that this thing happened, but doesn't air. And WF has the footage, obviously, but they've just never bothered to put it up. And if we just talk about that for a second. It's interesting because when Hogan was on the outs with them on many different occasions, I'm kind of surprised they didn't kind of pull this out. And especially when they got into like the network like years ago. And they were creating their own content and their own shows. Like it would be be a great little thirty minute uh, show, let's say, of like you know this the story of like the the Hogan Jake food feud that never happened, and show that DDT and like people would eat that shit up. But they never did it. And in more recent years, Jake is actually a part of All Elite Wrestling. AEW is like a manager and backstage challenge or whatever. So now they don't want to show it because they don't want to give him any shine. But it's interesting that they've sort of held on to this, this secret footage for all these years. And who knows if it'll ever get released. But because there's a lot of people have, you know, have looked at this. And, and it's interesting. I, I, when I was looking for more information online, I came across a lot of people that like speculate when this snake pit happened. And historyw.com is pretty clear about what date it happened on. But I've seen other people say like, oh, it was like they taped two back to back. So the one with the, you know, the pythons. You know, they just did another one right away after that, and that had the DDT on it. Or this, there's one that kind of ends abruptly between Hogan and J- Jake. It kind of like, it's not a full segment. So then people speculate it's that one. But I'm just going to go by what it says on the website as far as, because all the other information they have is pretty good. So, so I think it's this December 10th, this interaction happens. So that builds up this feud, but it's not a known, you know, national feud. But they have this match in Providence. And all we can find online is about, what, about 90 seconds of footage from yep. this match. It's in Providence. and Kind of going home. Yeah, clearly the end of the match. And uh, Jake, at one point, he's able to make his way over to Damien, and uh, Hogan's injured, and so out of the picture temporarily. It's almost like they're both crawling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jake seems frustrated, so he's going to go to get some help from Damien. And lucky for Jake, Damien brought some baby powder along. <laughs> yeah, secret weapon. So, uh, you know, suddenly there's little puffs of baby powder, you know, and, and he's emptying a little Ziploc bag into his hands. But uh, as he turns it's around... Like a, a witch's hex bag or something like that, you know, like those little <laughs> yeah drawstrings. <laughs> okay, but it goes wrong, and Jake ends up taking the powder. That's right. Backfires. It backfires. And uh, the camera work doesn't show any pinfall that I remember seeing. Yeah, it kind of ends abruptly. That's what they tell us. The history just says that it's uh, that Hogan pinned Jake that night. Yeah. So okay. Cl- clearly, it probably leads to you know some sort of a pinfall after that. After after Hogan puts the powder back in Jake's face. Right. So that was the first of their two Providence matches. That's the that's the or, first match that's noted there. I can only find 
until you get to like 1992, which I'm not, we're not talking about that. So um, I can only find two matches between them, one in Providence, one in Winnipeg. And if, I've heard people reference three matches, but I can't even, I can't find the third one. I've never seen it listed somewhere where it says like, you know, Hogan versus Jake or whatever in, let's call it 86, 87. Just kind of uh, a side note. I remember looking for different oddities and team ups and I saw Hogan and Savage versus Jake and I think it was um, Berserker. Yeah, yeah, I came across that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking at it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. It didn't really do a lot for me, that match, because we had, you know, this was a Jake who uh, was now being booed again. And, like, the, the, the you know, the real fire was gone. Uh, yes, that's uh, right. uh, You know, Macho Man was a uh, more rodeo clown style, you know, taking the beating. You know, like, he, this was the Macho Man who would just... Right. Always waiting for the hot tag, even if he was the singles wrestler, you know, <laughs> Macho Man as a face, you know, just is not as effective as a, as a heel who says he's a macho, but is a coward and a bully. I mean, like, that's such a great right. angle. It's such, it, it's such a good angle that eventually people are going to cheer for you because you're, you're just like, you're doing your job so well as like, I'm a tough guy who shouts at women and, and runs from the fight. Like, it's, <laughs> it's too funny. It's too clever. So this match, and and of course you also, what have you, you've also got the mega powers there, but like yeah, but after not, the fact, yeah, they're not dressed as the mega powers. They don't look like a team. They're no, like, no, it's just sort of like, what are we going to do tonight? We wrestle, you know, seven nights a week. Let's, um, you know, let's let's put Hogan and Savage together <laughs> and uh, Jake and the Barbarian, and it had none of the like. Think of all the different excitement that you have with those four men. Well, not so much the Barbarian because he the never... The Berserker, yeah. The Berserker. But my favorite match is in there. You know, you've got several met WrestleManias worth of Hogan and Savage <laughs> and, and so many pay-per-views of, of those two guys headlining. Different versions, yeah. Yeah, and then now we're talking about the, the Hogan and Jake angle that never really happened. But so Hogan and Jake wrestled years later in a tag team and it was kind of like a fizzle of a part. Yeah, I mean, Jake was certainly on his last legs in the WWF in that part of his run. So it just, like, as you said, it wasn't wasn't the same. I mean, the heat at that point would have been between Jake and S- Savage again, because that yeah, would have been around the, the time of the, the snake cobra. bite and everything. Yeah, right. Exactly. For me, it just, it, it, it just had two, the shoes were too big to fill, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's right. Their, their own shoes. <laughs> but this is, you know... My goodness, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, we are so excited. My favorite match, part two. I can't believe it. I didn't even know it existed, but these guys wrestled again. We're getting there in a second. So we're going to get to, so here's where we're trying to go. We're trying to get to like February 28th, the Winnipeg Arena, Hogan versus Jake. Jeff's there. And I remember reading the results. That's my best. And I remember the promo. And we got a promo, a great Billy Red Lions promo. So we're going to get to that. But before we get to that, two really important things happen. On it aired on February fourteenth on I guess it was prime time might have actually aired the week before on a different syndicated property not important but there is a snake pit with the honky tonk man and this is what I'm talking about they're they're building all this heat as Jake is a villain still in all these areas but we're also introducing him as you know something that's going to happen where he's going to have to become the good guy it's Valentine's Day baby and Jimmy Hart's Broken Bones Club man is going to play a tune all over your head Jake ha ha ha. So, right. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, everybody remembers this. Oh, yeah. And Jake talks about it as well. And he says, you know, that this moment turned him face and honky heel, 
which you uh, know could be a little over honky honky's already healed come on yeah yeah exactly but you know who are we to contradict yeah, the great yeah, yeah, yeah. the great the one the only jake the snake so watching it now i'm on honky's side i, I think it reminded so me of mean. the previous one remember the first time honky was on as a good guy when honky was still a good guy and he yeah. went on and you were talking about it, you're like jake was a bully honky should beat him up right. <laughs> and he comes out and it's almost like the same script yeah yeah exactly you're a loser yeah, nobody yeah. likes you and jake is just you know rude <laughs> and uh, so for those of you who aren't as familiar it's the second appearance of honky tonk man on jake the snake uh, on the snake pit and this is the one where you know he's he's taunting honky with damien and and uh honky's gonna play a song that's right uh and he's got his guitar all strapped on and, and ready to, to to entertain the crowd and and that was a wonderful part about honky tonk's shtick was that he wanted to entertain all his fans with music <laughs> and you know make them happy with like you know songs and so uh, i mean i think i had this on i somehow recorded it because like you know i i can still sort of hear it in my head like yeah yeah get him back i told you you know like certain little clips like yeah, even yeah. though we make up our own memories and I still kind of remember Honky finally getting to sing. <laughs> well, ah! you know, it's like just as he opens his first, you know, he, he utters his first note is when Jake really thrusts Damien into his face, and Honky kind of stumbles backwards and 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 runs away. Yeah, Jake's just like taunting him. And the path that he's taken away, but of course, is a TV yeah. set. So Honky yeah. circles around the TV set. He only has to walk about twenty paces. That's right. And he's right behind Jake. Yeah. And then you know, as Jake is like, "You stink!" Yeah, you're a, you know, you all these mean things. Jake turns around to face the camera, and he takes oh no, unfortunately, a, a fateful strike from an yeah. unrigged guitar. Uh, Corey mentioned last week that this led to um, some bad consequences. You know, was was part of a factor it's not the only thing but it didn't help that this injury may have led to some more painkillers that weren't a good thing and yeah you know what Jake did say? He was like, to, about the fans, you screwed me because of them chanting for the DDT and all the money that he thought yeah, he was going to yeah, make yeah, with Hogan. Did, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, and, his opportunity lost to not get the, those host shows. Like but a, then he said, but I just would have blown it on drugs, so who cares? Thanks anyway. From <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a good point. But yeah, it's, it's you know, I've heard it said a lot of times, Honky says that it was rigged. Jake is like, it's not that they didn't pre-cut the back. They did. There's this rod that Jeff can talk more about because he knows a lot more about guitars yeah. than I do. It's called a trust rod, sadly enough. Been, yeah, there was no trust. <laughs> I don't yeah. trust you. Oh, Apparently damn. it wasn't replaced and, that, and that's what... And also when I watch it, I find that the blow, instead of being on the flat middle, like sort of hollow part of the guitar where they always hit guys and where it breaks easy, it's almost like on the corner, the strong part of the guitar where like the, you know, the, the, the curved edge, you know, that's where it struck them as well. So it's mm. like... Well, so the whether rod, it was the rod or whether by it the was way, just... That is a metal piece. And, yeah. yeah, we didn't say it, but uh, there's a metal piece. It's like a... It's threaded, you know, like a like a screw is threaded, yeah, yeah. right? So this this big piece of metal has threads and it goes from the bottom of the guitar right up to the head of the guitar where you, where you tune it. Yeah. So yeah, if you got whacked by that and it's, you know, it might only be um, a quarter of an inch thick, but a quarter inch thick piece of metal <laughs> slamming across your head. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. They that's didn't right. take the trust rod out. That's what that's what Jake says. Honky says it's different, but you know, it, it either way, it did lead to Jake missing a few matches. I did note in the um, you know results it mentions a few times this person subbing for Jake, that person subbing for Jake. So there's some legitimacy to like the idea that he got injured. 
it also it's not like he's out for weeks and months. He's back pretty quickly. He just so misses a few matches. Aired on Valentine's February Day, fourteenth. Yeah. So these and things typically, he, I would I could look it up, but I mean, just let's just assume it was recorded two to three weeks earlier. Okay. So now Hogan wrestles Jake in Winnipeg in February, the end of February, yeah, February twenty okay. eighth, yeah. So, but on before we get to there, there is a February seventeenth match, which just kind of blows people's mind because there's a wrestling challenge taping, and this is taped there, but it's what's called an, and we've mentioned it before, an international taping, meaning that this match is going to appear on an international version of the broadcast, not the domestic, you know, North American, Canadian, American broadcast. So it's a match. George Steele needs to be replaced for whatever reason, and as a last-minute substitute, and it's a non-title match, it's Randy Savage versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, I know that you want to do this, and I want you to go ahead and make a complete idiot of yourself and sing something. Well, I'm not going to make an idiot of myself, and I'm fixing this thing. I know they're all ready out there. Are you ready, Colonel? Ready. you ready, Colonel? Here, I'll hold the microphone over here and the snake over here. Just keep the snake back. The honky tonk man's ready. I know how. Shut your filthy mouth! Okay, here we go now. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. What's wrong with my guitar? Well! Unbelievable. I didn't ever dream that my favorite match had a sequel um but in that era <laughs> that's of course yeah i mean lots of sequels yeah down the road well uh, that yeah that's uh you know that's understood because we yeah. you know there's this whole i mean you have a wedding you have you know this whole thing spills into a different uh decade none of that matters none of it it's all second <laughs> it's all rubbish this is all part of for me this is Savage crafting the greatest match of all time. He's doing the legwork with Jake, and he's worked out a lot of the uh, pace and thought, I believe. I, completely inseparable from the, the match style that he had with Ricky Steamboat in WrestleMania 3. They, they put on a warm-up on Saturday Night's Main Event in November, Jake and Randy Savage. And now that we've done the analytics and gone back, I can see, it holds up. It was so exciting. I loved breaking it down and seeing why I loved it then. I yeah. still love it now. Go watch it. Masters. Just masters, both of them. You know, I, I'm i sure I'll watch it again before I die. <laughs> you know, it's just that fun. Anyway, so I couldn't believe it. It was only within the last half a year, and I really don't remember. Well, okay, so maybe Corey and I had hinted about it, but one day I said to him, like, did you know what this is? Not telling him. I watched the match. Yeah. And I didn't want to spoil what happened for him uh, or or for you folks. So I just had to kind of like ask Gray if he'd seen it. And he said that he had. So I was like, wow. And he's like, yeah, wow. And here we are now. We're going to like tell you about it. But somehow neither one of us knew about this until 2022 or something. Yeah. Like, well, again, you got to think about it. It was, didn't air in North America. So when and where this became available on the internet. I don't know, but you know, I wasn't big into looking up wrestling matches in 2015 or <laughs> or whatever. So, Same you know, when, whenever it, whenever it did appear, whenever it did become available online, I wouldn't have found it because I wasn't looking for it. And furthermore, if you uh, are looking for Jake versus Savage, you're gonna get you know the post wedding SummerSlam. Yeah, you're gonna get your 91, 92 feud. That's right, absolutely, like eight out of ten times. Yeah, even four out of five, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> So that's not what I want to see. 
Uh, it was fine, and I know I'm sounding like a bit of a you know cranky old curmudgeon, but um, you know uh, I, I'm biased to my favorite match, and here we are. The guys are in the same phases of their career, and you know it felt like oh Jake had the title within his grasp there, and at the time I so wanted Jake to win that belt. Here they are, as Corey beautifully set up. We have a rematch, uh, and the, where Jake is in this. Strange transition, middle heel face, gray purgatory. <laughs> and uh, Savage, actually, it's kind of interesting because as a package, the crowd approves of Savage and Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's so popular, she helps to make That's up for right. his uh, unpopularity. They're cheering him. <laughs> when the music starts, they go bananas. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's how this match starts. Uh, Randy comes out. And uh, the music swells. And I got to say, I love it. This is my favorite stuff. Heel Macho Man with the IC belt. I mean, I am going to enjoy him with the world title. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, and still, like, my favorite moment is is to come. But everything about this match, you know, captures what I love about Savage as a performer and as a thinker. And, like, as, in, in my opinion, a selfless, a generous guy, possibly the most generous guy. I mean, like, right. his best moments are where... You know, like, I think I already said this on another show. Oh, sure. yeah, every, every one of my favorite Savage matches, you know, he uh, loses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Either pin or, you something. know, or something, you know, yeah. or his career, you know. Yeah. His, At best he gets disqualified. <laughs> That's right. At worst, his career's over, you That's know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Sherry turns on him and starts kicking him when he's down. Oh, she was so good. So anyway, obviously, I'm very enthusiastic about these two guys, especially at this period of time. So let's talk about how they look. Uh, Macho Man's got his Lifesavers outfit on. <laughs> yeah, All well, <laughs> yeah, well, we're just about here at Halloween in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The snow has fallen. And when we were kids, uh, the Halloween loot had some all-stars. That's right. You, you always wanted the chocolate bar. Sure. That oh, was yeah, the mini chocolate bars. Or if yeah. you knew the houses that gave away the full-size chocolate bars. Oh, my God. There was a guy that worked for like one of the chocolate bar companies that lived somewhere in Fort Richmond, and people knew where it was. And It wasn't close enough that you could go trick-or-treating, but you could get your parents to drive you over there just to go. And they weren't even regular chocolate bars. They were giant chocolate bars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you had the tricks. The tricks. You knew all the wrestling programs. Well, my brother showed me the other one, which was ah. the last year he... Well, he didn't go trick-or-treating, but it was the... I think the second last year I ever went trick-or-treating, I came home, you know, Grant and I had gone out trick-or-treating. I came back with my little loot after walking forever, and he was like, Cam was like, come with me. <laughs> so we went down the streets by King's Park, and he knew, like, to go out when it was, like, like near the end of the night, and there's all these little coves, and there was, like, nobody around, and all these houses, I hadn't seen this on the blocks that I go down, this is what they do, but on these houses, they did. They would just put a sign and said, please take one, and the light was out, and there was a bowl, and my brother just like dump, dump, dump. Like, <laughs> oh my god! We went to like four. It was like you know, like almost ten or something like that, right? So like yeah. all the little kids had gone home. You know, yeah. like there wasn't anyone. We didn't see anyone out on the streets. We must have gotten like five hours of trick or treating in like you know three minutes. <laughs> the perfect crime. Yes. Victimless. <laughs> Victimless. Oh, I love it. Oh God! Well, here's a time for me to confess. I did that once with a you know package of have a bubble, but I think I was just a greedy little shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Anyway, back to life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm not saying that the lifesavers mini roll was the best, but I didn't mind them because you would get a little three pack of lifesavers, red, yellow, and orange. Right. 
I also enjoyed the Macintosh caramels. So Macho Man has red knee pads, yellow boots, and his famous orange tights. Yeah. Because he's got his orange tights on when he wins the world championship, I believe. Like the famous well, he, belts. Yeah, okay. Well, the changes, final round. He's got four. He's got four yeah. outfits oh, on yeah, that of night. Course, so. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like, you know, when the iconic moment when he puts Liz right. up on his shoulder yeah. and he's got the world title for the first time. Yeah. Uh, he's wearing the orange, I think. Anyway, uh, it seems to me like most of my memories of Macho Man winning is like he's got to be held up by four other people. That's right, you yeah. know, like, oh, he's so beat up. But in this one, at least, you know, it's when he when he hoists Elizabeth on his shoulder and he's got the world title. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, one of the best images, you know, like it just, I love it. And he's wearing the orange. Yes. So he's got those orange tonight. And the red knee pads and the yellow boots. He, his robe, meanwhile, actually, before we see the lifesavers outfit, he's got a Halloween outfit on, <laughs> orange and black. And it's the sequins, which I prefer to the sort of the streaming tinsel style. It says Macho Man on it, and he has uh, a matching headband, orange and black. Elizabeth has got a sort of ankle-length flowing gown with a deep cut in the back and lots of nice silver, I don't know what you call it, but um, out sh- lines on this. It's also got nice uh, high cuts, so you, you know, up, up, up the thigh. So it's, <laughs> even though it's floor length, she's elegant and beautiful, and, and you get to see some, some lovely leg. <laughs> a lot of my toys have this color sequence right yeah right up there they got the orange trunks you see right, yeah. there's uh, the one is the the modern era bobble like the pop up vinyl things you know with the uh, right on top top beside the shades oh yeah yeah see I got uh, I've got a pair of authentic swatch right okay uh, I, was looking, I was looking second from the top I couldn't yeah, find now I'm on the top top no macho man's above everybody that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, actually I don't feel comfortable he's got his elbow Pointy elbow, ready to go. He's going to pull under me. <laughs> That's right. Now, that line of toys had two Ultimate Warriors, two Hulk Hogans. It had a Jake the Snake. <laughs> and I read on the bottom who made them. Yeah. And then I was able to get images online, of course, in this yeah. wondrous age. I can't remember what it says there, but uh, it's Macho Man in his my favorite outfit. Right. Yes. And in that one, uh, actually, that one's like hand painted. Like it, it, that's an, it's only about like a three inch figure, but he's got kind of a headband that's folded and kind of like got a tiger pattern onto it. Right. But somebody had to. Another thing that Corey and I enjoyed were these things called hero clicks, where they'd make a little, a tiny little one inch statue or an inch and a half, maybe two inch statue of yeah. the Hulk or Spider Man or whatever. Yeah. And like sometimes it was so cool. Like just a little mini statue. But anyway, so I got, that's what Macho Man wears in these classic 1986, 87 toys is the orange. And uh, that's what he's going on tonight. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake the Snake Roberts has red tights with, uh, the, sometimes he would just have like a solid uh, black snake calling up his leg. This actually has got like snake skin coloring. The snake's yeah, winding yeah. up his legs today. And uh, he's coming out and, and Damien's on his shoulders. <laughs> no bag. That's right. Um, but before anybody's announced, uh, well, w- what we hear is the uh, Howard, not Howard, it's Mel Phillips this evening. And we uh, hear from Ferris, you know, Sarasota, Florida, his manager, Elizabeth Ray, Randy Macho Man Savage. Boo. <laughs> but they've been like cheering him up until this. Yeah, 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 until yeah. then, they've just been cheering the music. And, and, yeah, that's right. They like the package deal. Then they specify it's a non-title match. And then Mel Phillips says, from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Oh, uh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, the one and the only Jake the Snake Roberts. And then in my mind, I'm picturing. Yeah. I think that was. No, 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 actually, no. I'm sorry. I'm now. Uh, 
I can't get Steamboat's music out yeah, of my right. head. That's yeah, not yeah. St- yeah. Jake had a, a, a tune that we later... We'll hear it here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so I, I couldn't even sing if I wanted to. Anyway, but there is no music. But there is. If somebody drops the mic, so I'm like, oh, that's the first bass drum beat. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What's the song? No, I knew he didn't have music yet. I don't know when it kicks in. I don't know when he gets it, but he certainly doesn't have it here. Yeah. Well, like Hogan wears a feather boa, Jake has got Damien draped around his shoulders, and he's on a fast march yeah. to the ring. He's walking with purpose. And Damien goes in first. Like, he kind of lets <laughs> Damien crawl into the ring, and that clears the heels, of course. Uh, Macho Man's out, and Elizabeth escapes the ring. <laughs> Outside of the ring, Macho Man and Liz are close enough for the fans to touch and pat. Right. That's when you always see the dilemma. Like, fans are close enough to, like, if they wanted to, they could grab a handful of Macho Man's hair, right? Yeah, that's right. But then they'd get beat up by Macho Man and yeah, kicked right. out of the buildings. But, like... You don't want to be that little girl that got punched in the crowd by Macho Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, uh, that was... Uh, I, I don't know a lot about that. But that was the one I just came across that newspaper article I told you about. So, yeah. Right, yeah. He wasn't um, trying to punch her. He tried to punch some jerks. <laughs> he yeah. But punched her instead. <laughs> So he's, uh, you know, sort of rearing his hand back, like I'll slap you to the crowd because he, you know, they're touching him and he's protecting Elizabeth <laughs> and he doesn't like it. The crowd is getting behind Jake so much, and even the commentators are basically treating Jake like a face. Yeah, the commentators came in really late. I, I for the first forty seconds of the file, there's just you know crowd noise and ring announcer, and I was kind of like thinking like Jesus, this not even have commentary, and then it then it kicks in. Good old Bobby and Gorilla Monsoon. And Bobby complains, like, now why is Damien even allowed? So, yeah, Jake is full-on face to these, you know, yeah. the, the the commentator team. That's right. And Gorilla Monsoon's, why not? Randy's got Liz, you know, compared. <laughs> and Bobby's like, well, she is not a snake, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not long before. I think he says she's not dangerous. And then Monsoon ah. counters and says, yeah, she is. <laughs> ah. well, but I love it because I think Bobby says something along the lines of, like, he's like, wait a minute, I thought you liked the snake. And then Bob, because, you know, when Jake was a heel, Bobby would, like, cheer for the snake. And then and then Bobby's got to, like, well, I've had time to think about it. <laughs> right. Well, Macho Man gives Mel Phillips the business. Apparently he's doing something wrong just sitting there. <laughs> the crowd's already chanting DDT. It's wild. Jake's in the ring. Eventually, Macho Man climbs up to the third top, uh, third rope. He's on the top there, pointing menacingly at Jake, and it's just iconic because he's still got his headband and shades. His robe is off, but you know, I mean, this is Macho Man's never going to look better in my eyes. He will actually look bigger and stronger right about the end of his wrestling days. And I got to say that uh, uh, for all the fact that Macho Man went through a bunch of uh, looks that I didn't think were the coolest, um, he did end up looking pretty cool again at the end. Unfortunately, there might have been health consequences. And the idea is that he roided up uh, in his WCW. It was a different... A whole different. I, I I didn't watch that stuff. I so saw I don't some know. of it, but not enough of it. And there's. I remember telling you that, like, oh, Savage, you know, is like having these main events, and he's got a shirt off again. <laughs> and, you know, and you were right. just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? You know, maybe uh, we'll universe willing, we shall carry on examining the career of Randy Macho Man Savage, and some of it I don't even really know, but he did look pretty boss. Uh, yeah. in his final days and he, he some of his outfits just looked silly you know but right. also hats off to him I heard that he told this designer you just go for it man and like I'm aware whatever you come up with <laughs> and this guy who might have been an outrageously gay character that yeah, you'd yeah. see like from Beverly Hills Cop or something you know just <laughs> like was a you know a guy who would make wildly outrageous wrestler costumes and, that's right yeah because Macho Man had like the zaniest outfits and colors and 
and <laughs> you know they with oh yeah they sh- I'm not saying that they were bad some of them I, I preferred him when he I thought he looked cooler in, in silver and blue and in yeah. less is more yeah <laughs> you know they went so oh, like such a visual like checkers and you know, yeah. yeah like yeah all these different kind of patterns and yeah, and uh, tassels and the cowboy hat era and a kind of a that led the, the, the motorcycle the ostrich feather. That was the thing that popped me. When you're, it's like it's like this isn't helping make you look tough. It's like purple or a, you know like a pink ostrich feather. Right. Well, I um, the the people loved his zany outfits, but uh, I like this look what he's got Absolutely. now. Yeah, that's what I like. And hats off for him for letting a creative person take over and just being like, oh, you do it, man. And yeah. apparently no holes barred. And you could see it because I mean, like in his WCW days, like you think of the time and effort put into stitching those outfits yeah. and the, wow. So just crazy. Anyway. Oh boy. We sure can't talk about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wrestling and Jake. And that's my favorite stuff. It's my favorite era. So that's what everybody looks like. Gorilla Monsoon does give Macho Man credit. He says it's been over a year now since he stole the title from Tito. <laughs> Bobby corrects him. Yeah. If he won it. I was there. He stole it. <laughs> yeah. Macho Man, but is he's, you know, stalling, but not like anything that we saw <laughs> last week. No, just a little bit. Uh, he's pointing at Damien because, uh, you know, there was trouble. Last time they hooked up on Saturday night's main event, uh, lots of spots of uh, Macho Man not liking the fact That's that right. there's this big snake in the corner. <laughs> we do get to business finally, listeners. There's a collar and elbow. No, Macho Man runs past Jake, slingshots off the ropes, and then has to pull a whoa, Nelly, as Jake puts up his dukes and is ready for action. Savage stops and is like, oh, thought Jake was going to run away, maybe. That's right. <laughs> I spook him. Yeah. Uh, we saw lots of that in the last match. We do get a collar and elbow. Jake grabs Macho Man's wrist and puts it by his side as arm control. Gives it a twist, but it's very quickly. Randy does the same thing to Jake. And then he kind of puts him in one style of arm bar and then a different kind of arm bar where we get a little bit of feel. But really, it's a setup so that Jake can do a big kind of hip toss arm drag throw. Well, not an arm drag, no. More like a hip toss, but with that trapped arm, throws Randy into, guess what? Damien Town. So the Macho Man can lose his cool and see that the snake is right right underneath him. (laughs) <laughs> Macho Man scrambles away from Damien as the crowd is chanting DDT. You, you hear it like by the, this is the second time already. They're just crazy for him. Macho Man's on the apron. He gets into the ring, spits at Jake, <laughs> jumps through the ropes onto the floor. Now, Jake, he's smarter than this, but he's got to be a face. Why oh, are faces yeah, yeah. so this dumb? Is, this is this is Jake's <laughs> own special move being used against him. <laughs> as soon as a crowd starts to cheer you, you just turn into an idiot. That's right. So Jake follows Randy in the old sucker shot. Jake is on the floor. Randy's on the floor. Randy scuttles into the ring, but quick as a cat, he's on his feet and turns around as Jake climbs into the ring. He drops the double axe handles and gives him the business and gets the advantage. Randy picks up Jake and puts him into the corner, loads up a big right hand, but Jake ducks it. And then just when you're expecting some jabs, Jake goes to the center of the ring. And what's going on? Randy's in Damien Town. Oh, gee, my heart. Once again, so he, another scramble loses his composure because he's on top of, you see, because the canvas bag looks like the you can't really see it. Yeah. You, you know, it's camouflaged. I mean, not camo, but, you know. Big, big lump. The canvas bag on the canvas ring. Then it suddenly it starts moving. So we have that same spot where Randy's afraid of the snake. Great. 
As a matter of fact, Randy's going to the lockers. Screw this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wrestled enough. It's like halfway done. And the, yeah, the, the camera, the video footage isn't the greatest. So it's a little bit hard to see. At one point, I was like, what is that in the background? It ended up just being like a section of fans, but the light wasn't quite on them yet. But it's neat. It's almost like there's a spotlight on where Randy's walking to, you know? I forgot something. Before the match starts, I have a revelation. The flowers, remember last time the flowers yeah, yeah, that he yeah, smashes yeah, yeah, in the yeah, ring? Yeah. The flowers are a plant. Oh. You're lying. <laughs> now, I know that may sound stupid on his face. The flowers are a plant. But no, I mean that they're planted by the company. Right. They're not organic because the way Macho Man takes them, it's like a baton relay. Like, he, you know, he just, somebody puts them in his hand. He's not snatching them from some guy who's like, Elizabeth, right. Elizabeth, right. here's the flowers. No. The flowers are a plant. Uh So before the match even starts, Macho Man is taking flowers from some well-meaning fan, phony, and he smashed them (laughs) in the turnbuckle. So this has already happened. So I forgot to say that this was part of the pre- Yeah, I thought that. And then I thought for a second, oh, maybe that was from something else I'm thinking of. No, but this time I realized that it's all a setup. They've been duping us all along. (laughs) That's right. The flowers are a plant, man. The flowers (laughs) are a plant. (laughs) So I got that out of uh, sequence, but... but yeah, uh, <laughs> Got to get it right. Yeah. So the action hasn't really properly begun yet. Randy comes back from the lockers, he gets back into the ring, and then he drops down to all fours, and Macho Man kind of obliges, like they're going to go Olympic wrestling, you know, like some of the strange <laughs> ways you start Olympic matches are, are weird positions that you're like, okay, now go! When yeah. the guy's already got you in a waist lock, you're like, what? Who decided this was a good idea? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Well, I mean, in chess, uh, one guy has the advantage. White goes yeah. first, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if you can draw as black... That's considered good because, huh? yeah, um, definitely. It's a, you have the advantage. You can set the pace as right. white, especially like the grandmasters. Macho drops to all fours. Jake puts one knee down. Macho gets up. <laughs> Jake gets a headlock onto Randy Savage, but Macho Man pushes him off from the ropes, and we get a nice hip toss that Randy executes on Jake. Randy's going to follow this up with an elbow drop, but Jake rolls out of the way. Next thing we know, oh, it's a DDT attempt, but Macho Man's too astute. He's not going to fall for that. Scurries out of there. He falls out of it almost like, you know. Yeah. This is now the fourth time we've almost had Macho Man eat a DDT. Because if you watched that Saturday Night's Main Event and go back and check our episode, I don't know, three or four episodes ago, my favorite match, listen to that one too. So we have our first failed DDT attempt. Macho Man's on the floor, under the ropes. Get out of here. <laughs> he doesn't want to take a DDT. So he's got to tell Liz, she's standing in the wrong place. That's, That's the right. problem. Get over See? here. Get over here. That's right. <laughs> and again, we have these fans so close that they're caught in this dilemma. Like, do I really want to touch him? He's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he could hurt me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but they do want to touch him, you know. Yeah. And they kind of just, they end up patting him on, you know, on the shoulder, you know, which is not too aggressive or offensive. So, but he's glaring at the fans, you know, and he's got yeah. that wild look in his eyes, you know, like, and he's just like snorting like a bull, you know. And so uh, it's, it's, when he's when you're in your face to face, suddenly you're like, maybe I won't touch him. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Macho Man gets back in the ring, uh, and then Jake uh, reaches out his arm. 
you know, like uh, let's lace fingers for a test of strength is what it looks like. And so they carefully get into that test of strength position. But of course, Macho Man's not interested in that. He's going to put a boot into Jake's belly and another one. And then for one second, he just leaves his boot there like he's, you know, trying yeah. to pull a tooth, you know, or something. Yeah, it's like it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jake replies with a couple of boots of his own while they've got their, you know, their knuckles locked. Yeah, they're still locked and in. We never get that test of strength per se. And then we get a right hand from Jake and Macho Man's down on the canvas. He picks Randy Savage up, puts his arm around his neck. DDT? No, of course not. That's never going to happen. I'm, I, <laughs> I saw it. I know it. It doesn't happen. Macho Man under the ropes, under the floor. Because that's a damn devastating terror. <laughs> and he grabs the bell. Starts that's stalking right. around. Yeah, yeah, well, he's yeah. got a weapon. That's how you counter the DDT. You get yourself a hunk of metal, see? Oh my God, Bobby's got such a funny line. I don't, can't remember where it comes up in the match. I'll wait and see. If you don't hit it, I'll eventually bring it up. It's You'll cool. have to because I don't have a note here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Macho Man's up onto the apron and with the bell. Yeah. Man, he drops it. He climbs into the ring. Another collar and elbow. Jake puts a side headlock on Randy. He gets pushed off on the ropes. Jake ducks uh, a standing elbow, oh. but this time he catches a beautiful classic Man. drop clothesline. Classic. Wow. Hey, the hangman clothesline or hanging clothesline. Oh my God, it's, it, it looks so good. It's almost like Jake's too in tight to Macho Man, so it looks more devastating. Like he really like, he Macho Man so drops. hard. Yeah. yeah, Macho Man goes in the air, feet first, with his, you know, hooked arm yeah, to the catch the neck. Lines. And just the way they take, Jake takes the bump, the way Randy's body kind of like turns as he's giving it, it's almost like he's hooked him so hard that, mm. as, you know, that his arm is like acting as like a pivot or something. So right. after he clotheslines him, it's like Macho Man kind of like spins almost, you know? Like yeah, it's, it's so just, great. It really yeah. makes it look like you're, you know, just get that guy off the stage with the giant hook and yeah, like it yeah, comes yeah, around yeah, his neck yeah, and yeah, just yeah, yanks right. him unceremoniously. Yeah. <laughs> Yank him. Anyways, it's beautiful clothesline. And they also captured it so well in the stand-up coin-operated arcade game where you had a tag team wrestling match and there were only six wrestlers you yeah. could be. But I loved that game. And, you know, not now because we're trying to call a match here. Yeah. But, like, that was Macho Man's. He had that drop hangman yeah, clothesline yeah. in that. And it just looks so good, like, decapitating. So, yeah, this is as good as it's ever looked. That's Hits right. Jake with that. And the other thing is it's surprising, right? Because Jake ducks uh, an attack. And yes. that's usually where the baby face, like, exactly. yeah, executes that's an attack successfully. come at that point, yeah. No. So that's what makes this clothesline as good as it gets. <laughs> I've never seen a better one. Like, especially the surprise of it. So wonderful in the ring chemistry between these guys. Fantastic. So much so that Jake rolls out to the floor to recover from this. As a matter of fact, he needs Damien to help him. He's He's like, I I need some. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Snake power. Yeah, it's like Jake's like stumbling over to his bag. And I love it because the camera doesn't, you don't see him coming, but all of a sudden Savage is like on the apron above him, stomping on him. Yeah, three boots to the head from the apron. Jake is not getting any help from Damien. (laughs) Just wonderful. And then, uh, of course, the referee pulls Savage away because uh, this is not legal. That's right. You gotta let the man back in. That's right. So Macho Man goes to the center of the ring, but exits the ring on the other side and then comes around as Jake is kind of crawling in. We get the beautiful proper sneak attack, running knee to the middle of Jake's back. Very unique. Very unique. Jake's not standing and leaning against the apron. He's partially in. It's it's like his feet are off the ground. So he's at like a, I don't know, 45 degree angle and his his back's exposed. And it's like Savage runs up and jumps in the air and lands and sort of like, it's not a high knee. It's not a knee drop. It's like this in between. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the way that you're 
you're supposed to attack somebody when they don't yeah, yeah, see yeah. it coming, right? Unlike, you know, yeah. Mr. Wonderful, yeah, like, he, like the shoulder. he's polite. I'm <laughs> here. <laughs> he wants to be a man. I'm going right. to punch you in the face, but that always backfires. I don't need no sneak attack. I'll just face him and get Hogan. I took the fight to Hogan. That's right. So... Randy helps, <laughs> and of course they're like, he was getting in the ring, he didn't need any help, said Gorilla. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Randy's got Jake injured in the middle of the ring, and he delivers what I like to call the Pedro knee, with yeah, the yeah. clap. Was there a clap? I missed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I That's when it's really a Pedro knee. I with, missed the clap, yeah. We, without the clap, it's not quite, but Pedro was famous for like, some wrestlers, you know, there's a percussion, a rhythm, a flow, a beat to what they're doing, and yeah. they're like, you're going to take the beat, you're going to take your thump in three two, one, hump, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, and it's not the leg slap. It's not like Pedro's clapping to make a noise when no. he attacks you. It's just his signifying attacks coming. It's, it's <laughs> a, yeah, it gives you one beat or one heartbeat to brace yourself in a way. It's like a yeah. courtesy to the wrestler, you know, and like you'll see it every now and then. A guy will just clap before Macho Man does it here. So yeah. right at the, it he's the, it's, so it's it's a knee drop while yeah. Jake is on the canvas. Straight in the air. And yeah, and then yeah. at the top of his jump, you know, it looks like he's got about four feet to come down with yeah, his big yeah. knee crashing down he just does this clap and it and it times with with the yeah. actual drop so yeah i call it the pedro knee yeah for pedro morales the triple crown champion that's right our latino hero <laughs> his only saturday's main event action was getting kicked out of the ring by roddy piper <laughs> yeah, i know yeah too bad yeah and macho man climbs to the third rope oh could we see the devastating finishing elbow drop from the top? Nope, because Jake stands up. So that means it's going to be a double axe handle. Yeah. And Jake's back down. Looks beautiful. This one clobbers him. Yeah. This looks like one of the most impactful standing flying, you know, forearm smash deals that Savage ever does. Oh, it's so good. Like, this- he hit it really hard. The, head, the, the clothesline and this forearm smash. Both of them, I went, oh, like I was yeah. like, wow, Jake just took a really heavy hit there. Absolutely. These guys sell for each other. They look fantastic. Their moves never look better and more uh, aggressive and effective. So, well said. I agree completely. This is a worthy sequel for me to my favorite match. So I can't remember if that, that's the spot or not, but I'm just going to go for it before I forget. So Bobby Heenan, basically, he's making a comment about the, the flying forearm smashes, and I can't remember what Monsoon says to prompt it, but basically Bobby's like, well, my favorite one's when he, you know, comes off the top rope, well, to the outside, to the neck over the railing, to, to Steamboat. <laughs> it's not just that he hit somebody, it has to be Steamboat. The way he gets to it is so funny. Right. Let's not forget the real build here, you know, yeah, like, yeah. This is a hidden gem, a lost match classic. Yeah. Not their build to WrestleMania 3. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I, I just... I love it. I love it. Anyway, so this double axe handle onto Jake gets a one and a two, and he barely mis- manages to drape a foot over the ropes to keep himself from yeah, losing. It's the, it's the inside leg, not because Savage hooks the outside. Like, the leg the leg nearest the rope gets hooked. So Jake has to do this, like, crossover leg. <laughs> yeah. And gets Bob comfortable. And says, that shouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> What we have is Randy's going to body slam Jake, and uh, again, it doesn't work. It's a small package in a one, in a two, and uh, what does that remind you of? Of course, this is yeah. going to be, we all know, well, you will know. Um, if you are a, a wrestling fan like we are, then you'll you'll know why that's important and how well, I've been building an in argument. general, like yeah. the small package out of, out of a move, right. you know, it was such a standard big thing. Like so many big title changes happened off of like reversed 
moves into small packages. I'm just making my argument about this being part of his, he's working the kinks out for Steamboat Savage yeah, WrestleMania 3. Right, so right. that's, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that we get, we have that bit here, but it doesn't end the match. It's yeah. just Randy falls prey to it. Yes. So it's in the toolkit. One, two, and no, doesn't work. Uh, Randy's able to kick out of this failed body slam, which leads to a failed small package. Uh, Jake is hurting, so he's crawling to Damien. <laughs> and he gets almost there when Randy runs across the ring and gives a couple more forearms or axe handles across Jake's back. And then we get Shiki Baby Camera Man, the savage clutch. He sits on Jake's back just like the Iron Sheik would do the camera's clutch, but instead of clasping his hands under somebody's chins for yeah. the camel clutch, yeah, yeah. he grabs Jake's nose and like his other, you can't okay, quite yeah. see it. looks like a face tear, but when the camera comes around, you see he's got his nose. Oh, wow. Yeah, and yeah. like Jake is reaching for Damien, we get the savage clutch. Yeah, I'm going to jump on his back. <laughs> I'm going to ride that snake all the way to intercontinental retention. Yeah. <laughs> make a belt out of him, man. Some boots as well. Yeah, dig it. We got the savage clutch that he finally lets go because, of course, the, it's not a wrestling. He's grabbing his nose, so the ref's yeah, counting yeah, yeah. him, right? Yeah. And Damien's no help at all. Damien, tag in. <laughs> so then we get some face firsts. Jake takes a face first. <laughs> and then Jake blocks it. Macho Man tries to do it. But uh, Jake's like, nah, if I do a push-up, mm, can't put no yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> and then tries again. But Jake blocks the second face first. And then Randy takes the face first. And then he bounces off. And he's like three feet in the air. You know, lifts off his knees. Mat, yeah. yeah. Um, when, when Jake gives Randy the face first, he just, oh, man, like a trampoline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then sometimes when Macho Man is, you know, asking for a backfire, he's a bit obvious. And Mach okay, even yeah, Gorilla yeah. calls him, Macho Man wide open here. Is he? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The delayed, yeah. like, hands above the head for like eight yeah. seconds waiting Walk for in. someone to hit him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wide open. Gorilla called it. You called it. That's exactly it. It's like, you know, there's a term nerfing that I've mentioned to you before. Like, they nerfed the Hulk in the Avengers movies. Okay, yeah. Like, they just suddenly he wasn't a powerful player. As, as the Avenger movies went on, they're like, we don't want the Hulk kicking ass, the Incredible yeah. Hulk. So they put him in an Iron Man suit, and he couldn't <laughs> be, he couldn't become the Hulk. And it was yeah, all yeah, yeah. weird and conditional. And then, you know, they came out with She-Hulk, and, like, they were in clips. She's stronger than him. And you'd like, what do you, you can't nerf Hulk, Hulk smash, puny humans. So, you know, basically, um, Randy's walking over with the nerfiest nerf attack ever. You know, like that's, he's not hurting anybody. It's so, it's so obvious, so telegraphed. And of course, uh, it doesn't work. So Gorilla Monsoon, wide open the champion. Jake boots him in the midsection because he's, Randy's begging for it. Jake gives him a right hand and a left and a left and a right. And then Bobby astutely points out, hey, those are illegal, ref. Stop them. <laughs> uh, and this, this barrage of fists, of course, drops Randy Savage. Jake picks him up, gives him an Irish whip, and it looks like he's going to do a backdrop. But instead, Jake eats a boot. Because that always leaves you vulnerable when you bend over to give somebody a back body drop. Macho Man climbs to the third rope, and Jake is ready for him. Randy sails through the air only to get a fist in the stomach, which doubles him over. But he stands back up, clutching his gut, bent over, and then, I can't believe what happened. Time slows down. Macho Man is doubled over. Jake looks at the crowd. He 
points his finger to the air and does a little spin with his fist and his Call makes that signals it. he signals the DDT the crowd pops I mean they have been screaming this whole match if I haven't mentioned it they're just going nuts for all these spots Macho Man's offering his head on a platter <laughs> it's the perfect position to take a DDT Jake walks over he's dripping with sweat his eyes are on fire he wraps his arm around J- Randy Macho Man Savage's neck and he drops the DDT in the center of the ring boom he rolls him over Macho Man doesn't have wrestlers. He doesn't have horsemen. He doesn't have Sherry Martell. That's right. The referee counts one. He doesn't one. have a Danny Davis. <laughs> the referee counts two. Nobody escapes the DDT. The referee counts three. Macho Man takes a clean pin from Jake the Snake Roberts in the middle of the ring as Intercontinental Champion. The belt does not change hands because it's a non-title match. But it's there. It's there. Everything I wanted to see in that Saturday night's main event is in this match. Macho Man loses. Jake shows that he's got every claim. He can beat him. He can beat the man. I showed right. it. I showed the world I can beat the man. I can That's take right. the title. I can take that gold. And I showed the world. <laughs> I, I just can't believe I had to wait till 2022 to see what I had wanted to see since 1986. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. Go watch this match and go watch the first match and you'll see. Hold on. The... Jake, Jake's not done. Okay. Yeah. Let me go back to my notes. I'm, okay. The pop is insane. For the the crowd just goes so crazy to see the Macho Man lose, clean to their new confused somewhere in the gray zone hero. That's right. So Jake goes for Damien, and he gets Damien out of the bag. And when I say that Macho Man doesn't have horsemen, he doesn't have Andre the Giant. Who's gonna rescue Randy Savage from the humiliation of having this? python draped all over his completely helpless body the camera pulls back there's elizabeth this 115 pound woman she's entered the ring and jake's got the snake and he's ready to wield he's armed and dangerous the guns are loaded because that's right about it this is still heel jake this is heel jake this is still heel jake so i don't think he has any problem going to put a little snakey on a little on miss elizabeth right good point we know that randy would get the snake if it weren't under any circumstances, yes. heel or face, but you're quite right. We'll heal Jake, drape the snake over Elizabeth. What courage this beautiful, elegant lady shows just to get in there. <laughs> and she doesn't punch him. She just goes in there to look helpless and yeah. in love Puts with her, her man. And just like, please don't. Yeah. And she's really understated, but her body language is perfect. And there's this moment of tension where you're like, what the fuck? And like, but her, her courage is fabulous just the fact you know the storyline what wonderful courage she loves him so much it's fucking great and he doesn't deserve her this is all part of building the best thing that there ever was in wrestling so there's frail vulnerable beautiful brave elizabeth and macho man kind of walks past randy it works Uh, jake walks past thank you Jake walks past Randy. The, the diversion works for better or for worse. We don't know what's going to happen, but he doesn't drape the, snake on Ra- drape the snake on Randy's vulnerable body. He walks over towards Elizabeth, but he points back at Macho Man, and the crowd goes, <laughs> They want the snake That's on right. Macho Man. Yeah, yeah, they want to yeah. see this bully, this coward, this thug who's so rude to this beautiful woman who doesn't deserve her. Maybe with a little, a little George Wells foam coming out of his mouth or something. That's you know? right. Like- <laughs> He doesn't deserve her, and we want to see the snake all over Randy Savage, so he's going to get it. But wait a minute. From the back, from the locker room. Yeah, down the aisle with a spotlight on him. 
to rescue Randy Savage with a little muscle, somehow, is the honky-tonk man. He's going to come, and I don't like them slimy snakes. I don't like the people who handle them. I don't like anything about it. So honky-tonk man pulls a Pearl Harbor job, hits Jake the Snake from behind before Macho Man can get any slimy, crawly, sneaky scales all over him. And Jake shootingly pursues honky-tonk man back to the locker room area. Randy rolls out under the ropes, onto the floor, Hides his head under the you know, under the ring for a minute or two and needs to be held back the backstage area with the referee and Elizabeth. Wow, what what a match! And uh, yeah, it's just neat how it's like yeah, it's just one shot just to distract Jake, and then he bails and runs, and and then Jake chases Jake's running with Damien. It's hilarious. He's got him like you know wrapped around his neck and his arms, you know, kind of like yeah, and he's just charging down the the aisle with them. It's it's so good. And we heard a little clip earlier in the show of, of Honky talking about the snakes before the uh, guitar shot heard around that set. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I love the idea of Honky, like, you know, threatening it to, it's going to turn him into, you know, seat covers for his uh, 59 <laughs> Cadillac. Pam and Peggy Sue. That's right. Macho Man is so generous, so willing to put people over. Yeah. And he knows what the crowd wants. And he's just a master showman. I mean, Jake is obviously, yeah, at this point, I was cheering Jake. And I, you know, I, I wish I could have seen it at the time. But getting to watch this match takes me back yeah. to the mid-80s. And, you know, awesome makes me feel the good parts of being 14, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and what a pleasure to discover. And lots of fun to discuss with, with all of you people. You know, take a look. These guys are as good as it gets, and I didn't even know that there was a part two of my favorite match, and not only that, it would deliver everything I wanted that it could, because I knew that Jake didn't win the belt, so, you know, the next best thing would just be a clean pin, Yeah, and there it is, we got it. And it's, and to me, watching it, I mean, I knew what was going to happen in the match, and I, I didn't. The, I, and I knew with the. Well, I mean, I read. Yeah, I read it before I watched it, right? So, but it doesn't give you. You fool! Well, I, mean, I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't have even known about the match if I hadn't come oh, across it in the listing. Okay, you know so what I mean? Like, unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I came across. Somehow it via, I was lucky. No spoilers. I came across from a result and then went to look for it and found it. I got lucky. Yeah. No spoilers watching it. So just imagine my reaction. Yeah, yeah. To Very see the, different. Yeah. Jake drop the DDT. But and the, pin thing him. That I, the thing that <laughs> that threw me off was the ending and the way it happened is that the signaling for the finishing maneuver was sort of almost like a way to like signal like it's not going to happen <laughs> you know unless it was like a, a jobber squash match jake pointing and circling his finger and all that that that's not how we got the ddt on those guys he it was always out of nowhere right like if he did it on Saturday's main event or against in a big match it was a surprise ddt so to see him signal for it like call his shot and then to actually hit it, that was like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was expecting maybe one more Randy escape before uh, before it happened. Incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my favorite match of all time has got a follow-up. Oh, <laughs> wow. Love it. So, Jake again now is going to continue on this path where they've canceled his big feud, but there's a match they've been promoting since December. And that's in our beloved Winnipeg, Manitoba. In a cold February of 1987, I didn't bother go check the temperature, but I promise you it would have been very cold that day. And that's our next stop. But before we get there, we want to check out, we love it, it's this local promo that showed up on Maple Leaf Wrestling. Now, the clip I found is from February. I'm going to say that it actually initially aired on Superstars sometime in January because it was part of my 1986 year in review show, which I love so much that I had taped. 
and it was the it was the very end. It was the last thing, the last segment before the show ends is this Billy Red Lions promo, and it's the only thing on the show that isn't review of the year of '86. It's the only thing it's looking forward, and it's it's this Billy Red Lions, Jake the Snake promo leading up to this match in Winnipeg the next month, let's say. So uh, we're going to talk about that now, and then we're going to talk about the match in Winnipeg. Of Savage. Savage once again up in that high-risk area. Bombs away, perhaps. He's waiting on him. He got caught. He's signaling for the DDT monsoon. He's going for it. He's got it. He nailed him with it. Had this been a title match, we might he got it. I don't believe it. We would have had a new champion. Look at Elizabeth. I don't believe it. Right in the center of the ring. So we have a promo, as Corey said. There it is. We we uh, I remember something that I didn't hear in this interview. I could have sworn he said that it somewhere else, somewhere. Time. Yeah. yeah. And I think we said it on the last show. Yeah. It resonated with me because I felt that Jake was saying, I know that Hogan wrestled here. You know, Hulkamania was in Winnipeg and AWA. Yeah. You can't say that. You can't say it, but he no. re- it's almost like he sneakily refers to it. Yeah. And that struck a chord with me yeah. for sure. So, and and therefore he called, he said, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your own people is what I thought I heard him yeah, say. I'm sure he said that. And I wanted him to do that, you know. (laughs) I was full Jake at this point. I was part of what thwarted all those dollar dollar bills for poor Jake. You know, I was cheering him, and yeah. uh, you know, much uh, McMahon thought that I was going to cheer Hogan, and but no, I was cheering Jake. So this is a masterful promo. I, like, could be three minutes yeah, it's, with it's without like two, a stumble. Two minutes and fifty-two seconds or something and without yeah, a just... stumble or a flaw, and it's got like kind of a beginning and a middle and an end, and yeah. it's got like you know, like did he go and? memorize a speech like he's so confident nothing is sadder than a big imposing man who is afraid to speak publicly and trembles like a little child when he's got to address a group of say 12 people and i've seen it like i I recently saw footage of an athlete who was making a political speech trying this political aspirational former hero of this you know this this uh you know might have been bc or something but his voice the trembling in his voice and the look of fear in his eye just made you wasn't comfortable wasn't comfortable and you know it's so sad that like oh this isn't gonna be your calling you know like you were a hero and it'd be great if you could have turned yourself into a member of the legislative assembly or a member of parliament or you know get elected for public office but not every big tough athlete can uh, communicate with words. That's right. And so if they're scared to speak on camera, then it just ruins everything. And and that's why managers are so important for these guys who just can't. Jake never needed a manager. No. Never had one as far as I know. Outside of that Legion of Doom moment. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just so confident. And all the points that he hits on, like, geez, let's break it down. He makes reference in this one. So we didn't hear what we thought we heard. But in this one... And I want to. I got to make sure I don't start at the end. He's, you, you, of course, you got Billy Red, who always looks kind of befuddled, and he's got these <laughs> kind of like tinted glasses. Yeah, he's only a couple inches shorter than Jake. He's and, a big guy because yeah. Jake's so tall. And so Billy Red's really up there with him. <laughs> must be six four or something. Three at least. Yeah. Yeah. And how, what does Jake say to start with? Well, he talks about like you know not everyone can be a champion, and you know he's the man that he's got something that can take. 
Yeah, I thought Champions that was yet. mid. Right, Maybe so he, closer to the mid. Right, but yeah. so he makes a reference to the DDT. I got a yeah. way to do it. I yeah. left you laying cold. Yeah, you, you you've seen it, you felt it. That yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't probably we remember the beginning when we're halfway through exactly, our exactly yeah and I like he asked Billy Red Lines what do you do when a Mack trucks bearing right. down on you and yeah. Billy Red's like try and get out of the way of it well, yeah because you know you gotta you gotta get these guys involved you know yeah, the right. good talent knows like like work with Cal and you'll yeah, have exactly. a much more fun interview so yeah, yeah, Jake yeah. throws it to Billy Red quite so so we love it that Jake's making reference to his finishing maneuver yeah and that he. Used it on Hogan. Yeah. Again, I'm afraid this is like two thirds, but he's talking about some men plant rice, other men <laughs> plant wheat. I plant fear. And like, yeah. it's masterful. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, you know, and like fear grows, Hogan, because I DD, you know, he doesn't say yeah, it. Yeah. But Hogan took the DDT, got left laying cold. Yeah, you didn't and get up. You've had time to think about it. And when you plant fear in a man's brain, I'm like, oh man, it, all the yeah. words. What are, just, what are you left with? <laughs> yeah, rolls off the tongue. Very eloquent. Because he's intense, but he's not yelling. Yeah. You know, he just, he raised his voice that one time. Hot yeah. plant beer. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's got all the more impact because <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah, does yeah. it, and, you know, yeah. and then he calms back down uh, <laughs> and, and gets quiet again. So, and, and it's a long promo, really good. And then, uh, of course, he makes reference to good old, our hometown. <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> Winnipeg. Of all places, Winnipeg. <laughs> And uh, what else did, it, you know, a great promo. It's fun to see it. It's actually funny. Hungry, when you, when, lots of that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, there's the beginning. Now yeah, that we're yeah, in yeah, at yeah. the end. Now that we're going home, there I remember go. the beginning. <laughs> I'm hungry, Hogan. See, I see my dinner. I see a piece of flesh. I see my meal ticket across the ring from me. <laughs> but I need more. I need that gold, Hogan. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, these promos, if you remember local promos, they would, you know, you would watch let's say five weeks, six weeks of superstars of wrestling and you know, your local promos would be inserted into your version of that show. So you would hear, you know, the build up to Hogan versus whoever or whatever wrestlers, you know, pick, take your pick. And so you would and have that. You wouldn't just hear the same interview five times. You would hear, you know, three, four different versions. And one week could be the one guy and the next week could be the opponent and back and forth. And, you know, there was such a big part of what, you know, made wrestling exciting and made you anticipate the results of these things. And because as a little kid, I didn't really go to wrestling. It was always about finding out what happened, <laughs> trying to find out what, what, what happened. Right. Well, I don't, I, it's kind of almost surreal now to recount that I was there. This, these mythic only two locations where, yeah, that got to see Jake in this era, Wrestle Hogan, where the, the crowd, you know, had all this love for Jake. Now, I will have my own fuzz, uh, fuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy, my yeah. own memories that could be wrong. I know that I cheered my lungs out for Jake instead of Hogan when yeah. I was oh, at the oh, match. Let's get, let's get a little flavor, a little cover, color. I went and dug up through the Winnipeg Free Press, the big uh, local paper. And so the day of the card at the Winnipeg Arena, the old Winnipeg Arena, which is in the west, it's west side of our city by what we called Polo Park Mall. There used to be the football stadium and the hockey arena. And uh, so that's where this card's taking place. So it's kind of buried on, uh, you know, on a page. Like it doesn't have a big picture. Um, you wouldn't really even know it. It's super far into the paper. The tall and big men, George Richards <laughs> ads right beside it, taking up a lot of space. But if I zoom in here, I can see, man, I came through this paper and there was this like movie review person like taking shots at the movie Some Kind of Wonderful, John Hughes film that I love. And he was just, this guy didn't like it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was all offended. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> 
Get him in the ring. Slap right. him around. I'm going to give it to you. So under local, uh, this local section in the, in the sports area, we've got Hulk returning. The Hulkster will be back in action Saturday, February 28th at the Winnipeg Arena. Legendary wrestler and heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan will meet Jake, the Snake Roberts, and his sidekick Damien as part of a World Wrestling Federation card at 7.30 p.m. In other matches, and here's we'll see if Jeff can remember some of this stuff from going to that card. <laughs> in other matches on the card, Blackjack Mulligan takes on Sika, the Wild Samoan. The Can-Am connection of Rick Martell and Tom Zink will fight the Iron Sheik and Nokolai, <laughs> they spell his name wrong, <laughs> Volkoff. And the wild Australian Outback Jack makes his debut in match with Barry O. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't remember any of those other matches. Yeah. Meanwhile, the American Express of Dan Spivey and Mike Rotundo will meet the Demolition Crew. Accent <laughs> <Ass and> smash. <laughs> Pedro Morales returns to face the Honky Tonk Man. And Chung Lee, <laughs> should be Tiger Chung Lee, Chun Lee takes on SD Jones. <laughs> Chun Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Chun Lee, or whatever. <laughs> Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SD so there, Jones. there was a little bit of. And maybe SD1. Maybe SD, yeah. yeah that's one he could do. If he was taking on Chung Lee, I would say he probably did win that match. I doubt Chung Lee would have won that match. So Tiger Chung Lee. Tiger Chung Lee, which was, yeah, he was in lots of uh, televised matches and. And stuff like that on WWF. So there we go. That's, you know, that was the setup the, the day of, if you're reading the paper. And this was in the Saturday paper, which was a 200-page paper. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. I was going through the digital archives, right? And I had, to, like, 200 pages. <laughs> I finally got smart, and I did a search. And then it brought me to the page. Because I, I was, like, having to go page by page. And I was right. like, oh, my God, this is taking forever. <laughs> wow. Pick up a newspaper today, and you think likely you need to blow your nose. It's yeah, all gone yeah. online. Yeah, exactly. So there we are. So there's there's the the you know what you could have read before you headed off to the arena, and then Jeff did. So remind us, give us give us a little bit of flavor here. I think you attended this card by yourself. I believe I did. So I was 14 at the time, but you know in those days parents weren't as protective as their of their kids. There were a lot of kids who walked back and forth home and from school. You know, especially in our really sub. Oh yeah, you know, like the elementary school. I never had anybody walk me to school. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that it was minus 30 below in the Celsius degree. Well, we had it. Uh, it was not. You wanted to live close to your school when you were <laughs> seven or eight years old. Yeah, that's right. There were four cold, cold blocks that I had to walk down Grosvenor when I was in elementary school. Anyway, so 14 at this age, you know, that awkward in between, not a child anymore, but like I've had, I had my growth spurt, you know, and was probably five, uh, eight or something, you know, yeah, like yeah. not. Too far, not not obviously not fully grown, obviously, yeah. but uh, not a cot, not a child. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I was higher up in the crowd. Okay, I was gonna definitely ask you not on the floor. Do you remember kind of the angle to the ring, or yeah, kind of square onto it, which was good. Yeah. I, I wasn't um, craning <laughs> were, my neck. You weren't AEW no. neck crank. Oh, wow, that was terrible. <laughs> and I also wasn't. Like I ended up sitting where like I could man spread. I, I, you know, you can move around if the place, if the place isn't sold out. So it wasn't sold out. Yeah. And uh, so I was lurking in the section where I could move around as I liked. And like, maybe I had a certain seat number and then I was like, "Mm, nobody appears to be five rows down. And then there are times when you went to the arena where you could just kind of like go where you liked. Yeah. I used to go to uh, Manitoba Moose games, which is like the secondary team to the Winnipeg Jets. They, you know, the, the minor league team. And even before we got the Jets back, I remember going to Manitoba Moose games. And the, the, what you would do is you'd pay for your ticket and you'd go to the game and you'd sit in your seats for the first period. 
and you'd scout the place out. <laughs> right. And then, and then for the second and then the intermission, you'd go find a much better seat. <laughs> right. Precisely. Same idea. I was not swept up by a throng of Jake supporters. It's not like I walked in there and saw a bunch of like ECW style fans like, yeah. hey, are you were there. Come on, buddy. Come on. Us. You know, we all yeah, love yeah. Jake. Let's get Hogan. You know, it was, you know, I, I didn't, I felt that I was in the know because, but this is Winnipeg. So everybody was, <laughs> you know, I was no different than anybody else in this crowd who you would think therefore loved Hogan for the AWA appearances that he made. And I think that that was the case. I don't feel that we were all decided Hogan's boo Hogan, cheer Jake. No, I feel that I was kind of a standout, like, I love it. I want Jake to win the world title. And I was, I had so much more fun than I had that time that you and I went and, you know, there were children cheering John Cena and we felt guilty booing John Cena in front of children. So we didn't really say anything and we just didn't really have much fun. I was at the top of my lungs screaming for Jake to win the match. Uh, I really can't remember much, but I remember feeling an emotional high that suggests to me that Jake did get to DDT Hulk Hogan. And I felt that he did it in the ring, but right beside the ropes, which meant that there wasn't going to be a pin because, you know, you can't, if you're not in the center of the ring, yeah. then someone's going to put their foot on the ropes. So, yeah. um, what's going to be under the, under the ropes and the ref yeah. can see it. And or the, the ref, yeah. Or that like, so Hogan might've taken the DDT and, you know, this would make the move more powerful. The, uh, move stunned Hogan, but he's stunned with his foot already under the rope therefore yeah. you can't it wasn't him like one two lift the leg but yeah. then again i was hundreds of yards away i couldn't really see yeah. i just like it, it felt to me that like even to the point where the possibility that jake was on the apron well no that wouldn't work because the ropes would get in the way but they were so close to the apron yeah like you can't you know maybe maybe somehow Jake, what if Jake and Hogan were slugging it out on the apron? Yeah, and then yeah. Jake somehow DDT'd him on the apron. Yeah, it seems, that seems difficult. Like a, like a more modern invention in wrestling. I can't remember a yeah. lot of moves being dr- like they're so common now for pe- for two wrestlers to be on the outside of the ropes on the apron, and for one of them to do a move on the other one, sort of on the apron, you know, right. on the edge of the apron, which. I think back in the day used to be like devastating career ending and these days are smart because they do so much stuff out there. I'm pretty sure they pad them properly so that now you can do these, you know, power bombs and things out there and DDTs without killing guys. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, I think you're more right that it's just probably was just part of the match. He just was a little too close to one side of the ring. And the yeah. delivery of the move put Hogan yeah. into a so, safe spot. And so I don't actually mean, yes, that's right. So I don't actually mean on the floor. I do mean on the elevated ring, you know, just outside the ropes. Yeah. When I say the apron. And and yeah, well put. Quite so. I agree. It just feels to me that narratively speaking, I felt there was an emotional high where I was like, oh my God, this is it. Yeah, you if, can if do if it. He, well, if he did it, then he wins. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I talked about that with like the, you know, the, the first Iron Man event against Bob Orton. Like if he hit the superplex, he could pin Hogan, but he's not going to hit the superplex, you know, right. or, or this, or, you know, if Paul Underf could pile drive Hulk Hogan, he's, yeah. you know, he could pin him, yeah. but he's not going to, he's going to, Hogan's going to back body drop him. And I think that's somewhere where like through Hogan's reign, there were, they, that's where they lost something where it became about Hogan needed to like take the move and then kick out, Hulk up, go home. And that's what, you know, and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat became less enjoyable. Speaking of going home, if I had seen Hulk Hogan kick out of the DDT clean, I would have gone home upset. Right. I would have gone home like, oh, they nerfed Jake. They nerfed the DDT. Yeah. And I didn't feel 
that they nerfed <laughs> the DDT. So I'm going to like, you know, through power of deductive reasoning and yeah. colorful embellishment of time traveling, right. I'm going to say that Hogan did not diminish the DDT. They protected right. it just like they protected Bob Orton's Superplex. So I have a memory of reading the results of this card the next day. My parents subscribed to the Winnipeg Free Press, so I have to assume that's where I read it. But when I looked at the article in the paper, it's so small and so little information. I'm like, this can't be what I read because this is, gives me no information. Because and so let's just yeah, let's let's read the article and then I'll make the point yeah, I'm trying to make. Cue the Brian Cranston. That's right. They're lying. <laughs> okay, so this this is this is a smaller piece than the than the promo piece to begin. It's really buried. It's very small. The titles Hulk Hogan retains title. Hulk Hogan retained his World Wrestling Federation heavyweight crown last night with an easy victory over Jake the Snake Roberts and his sidekick Damian in the main event at Winnipeg Arena. Hogan, who will now defend his belt against Andre the Giant in WrestleMania 3 in Detroit at the end of March, easily disposed of his outclassed opponent early in the bout. In other bouts on the card, Blackjack Mulligan defeated Sika, the Wild Samoan. Rick Martell and Tom Zink thrilled the crowd with a victory over the Iron Sheik and Nicola. He's spelled wrong again. Not quite as bad. At least this time it's an I instead of an O. <laughs> they, they fixed, they got one letter better. <laughs> Nikolai Volkov. The Honky Tonk Man beat Pedro Morales and the Demolition Crew, Axe and Smash in quotes, defeated the American Express of Dan Spivey and Mike Rotundo. And that's it. That's all it says. And I'm like, in my mind, this is my memory. If you'd asked me this five years ago, last year, a week ago, is that what I read was that Hulk kicked out of the DDT. And I was mad about that because it, to me, it ruined it. It was like, no, just don't let him get the DDT. Like, let like Hulk Hogan back body drop out of the DDT or, you know, charge Jake into the corner. Like, don't take the DDT. Protect the DDT in 1987. I mean, we're not talking about 2023 where you can do 15 finishing maneuvers and they don't count. We're talking back when they counted. So... Um, yeah, so I was really surprised. I did try to look up the Winnipeg Sun to see if I could find articles for them, but it ended up being this lost cause that I didn't go down. So I can't figure out where I would have read that from, but me and Jeff have the exact opposite experiences. Like, you're like, I would have remembered for sure if it happened because that would have upset me. And I'm like, I remember it because it upset me. Wow, that's so funny. <laughs> but I like so it. many other things about yeah. us looking back at wrestling, we have so many yeah. of them wrong wow. or, you know, like, well, so. Jake Quotes Montreal of all yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah Jeff saw the thing with Jake talking about where the matches took place, and he credits Montreal as being one of the places. Like, no, Winnipeg. Uh, so yeah, so that's that is something. I had a great time though. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like Hogan had a lot of cheers that night, and it wasn't. I, I, I wish I. Wish I had more to go on because, yeah. like, I can't remember those other matches even. But I do remember my enthusiasm. Well, my first couple of times going to WF shows, I can't even. I've tried to go look. I don't. Like, I have such strong memories of '91 and '92 going to some cards with Kenny, and I know I went to cards before that, like in '88 and '89. I can't even figure out which ones I was at. I don't remember anything about them. It's the weirdest thing. Like, it's just strange. So many people are like, they remember so much about their first match or something, and like, or the first time they watch wrestling. We've talked about this before. I'm like, I don't remember the first time I watched wrestling because I was a baby, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. And and this, in the, I don't have this super strong memory of the first WF card I went to. I know I went, and if I lined them all up and looked at them, but I looked at the matches, I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up online a lot is when people see people complaining about the Jake feud never happening with Hogan, one of the counterpoints that's always made is, well, you couldn't put the belt on Jake. And it's like, well, no one said you had to. 
Like, why couldn't Jake just be yet another one of Hogan's cool bad guys that he wrestled and had a return match against? You know, he could have yeah. he could have wrestled like the big places like Boston, Philly, New York. They could have got two matches. Yeah. They could have had they could have basically had a, a DDT. Like Jake could have won by like count out or or, or disqualification or something. Mm-hmm. Got a DDT on Hogan around the circuit. Then they could have come back and Hogan could have pinned him. Certainly. And and then think of all that money that Jake could have made. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the shoot interview. If you've got any more on that, I watched one recently that was where the guy was actually reading what Hogan had said on one of those interviews that I couldn't find, uh, about how, you know, the comments about it not working, it wasn't the right feel, you know, they didn't have chemistry and Jake was kind of hurt. He was like, Oh, I wish I was like, I, you know, he was like. I really feel hurt that he says that. And, you know, yep. it really cost Class. me a lot, cost me a lot of money. He didn't, yeah, he wasn't just like, oh, an asshole or anything. Nope. He was just very nice about it. And he says like, that could have all been fixed with a 10 minute conversation, like before the match. And then we never talked. He said like, you know, like they could have figured out a way because I think what they want and what McMahon was getting at is you want the Ricky Steamboat heat. When he DDT'd Hogan, you want people to be like outraged <laughs> that he did it. And instead people are like, woohoo. <laughs> yes. Amazing that that is what happened. It's almost like if Jake had taken Hulk out with something other than a DDT, they probably would have booed it. You know, like if he'd used a crowbar <laughs> or something like that, you know, but it's because right. they love the move. It's like the way the crowd loves Elizabeth, not Savage. Yeah. They love, they don't really love Jake. They love the DDT. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Okay, pretty cool. Yeah. I would say that uh, the DDT, it was, McMahon had it wrong. You know, he, he thought that they were going to, do this one thing and it didn't work out that way and it was organic and I stayed hopeful that Jake was going to get some gold. You know, I also think it's like timing-wise they kind of blew it because look at it. Look how close we are to WrestleMania 3. They got to focus on Hogan Andre. They don't have time for Hogan Snake, but why wasn't this a thing in the fall? Like, they started teasing this like a long time ago and Hogan's kind of really, like, you know, the, the, the Hercules main event match, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, obviously he's still finishing off the Orndorff feud, but it seems mm. like, you know, from... September to January, that would have been the time where there should have been two months of, you know, Hogan Jake, not like start right. it in February and then. And imagine Jake wasn't even at WrestleMania. Was he at WrestleMania too? Yeah, he wrestled oh, the yeah, footballer. Yeah. George yeah. Wells. George Wells. The football player. Well, you know, he's more of a wrestler than I thought he oh. was. Back then, I always thought he was just literally like those guys in the Battle Royal. Okay. But he actually had a career. He was a football player, but he also had a career as a wrestler right. in other places. But, but a non event, like no build, yeah. no story. I can't even picture this guy. Whereas yeah. I remember everything Shaved about Shaved head. Yeah, yeah. African American guy. He was, yeah. he was, he was, he was you know, and again, I didn't know who he was. Like he was in the mid south and stuff. I think he had a you know fairly you know I see. dignified well, career. But no disrespect intended. It's just like <laughs> who remembers? Yeah. yeah, it's like the fact that Jake was at WrestleMania two compared with his major play for the rest of the year, and then unfortunately WrestleMania three didn't go the way we wanted it to. But like, yeah, I wanted Jake to win the belt. At it had to be when he got his revenge against Tonky. Yeah. Alice Cooper was involved, but yeah. it, actually it was revenge denied. So I'm I'm having right. to grasp the and at this point, so this is WrestleMania three that Jake faces Honky Tonk. That's right, yeah. Right. Okay. So there's only there there are no titles on the line. Yeah. I, I Not I, at I, all, yeah. No. Because yeah. they're too busy having the greatest match of all time with that title, like before Jake can get yeah. back in the picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So years down the road, Honky escapes the barber's quest for his title, but in WrestleMania three, Jake's, you know, it was unsatisfying. Yeah. He's just trying to get revenge for the guitar shot. Yeah. And he doesn't get it. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk about it a little bit down the road, maybe another show and stuff like that. Some of the, the, the you know, the, the what ifs of WrestleMania three, maybe our next, you know, our, our next Saturday's main event, the May edition, 
we'll, we'll touch on all those because there's so many things that come out of it. But yeah, so we've gone on really long with this, but this is just a kind of like, I'll take all the other stuff and throw it away just we're, to, you know. Were you in a unique position that we saw these clips and yeah. I saw it live. Yeah, and that is important to us. And, and it is a shame that what Hogan says doesn't seem to match up, but Jake, you know, is very classy about it. He doesn't blame Hogan. I saw another thing where he just like, uh, defended Hogan for his moveset. He said he didn't need yeah. anything else. He was, you know, just fine the way he was. So, yeah. you know, thumbs up for Jake. And I don't know why uh, Hogan, I guess he's just covering his pride when he says A the matches. Bit. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he's trying to, yeah, when people say to him, why didn't you wrestle Jake? It's like, well, it just it didn't work. It wasn't, the chemistry wasn't there. And I also think that he doesn't really want to talk about the idea that at the peak of his celebrity and fame and like no never loved more between like 84 and 87 like that's like the prime of the prime of hogan he doesn't really want to come to grips with the idea that like this move was cool enough to actually take some cheers away from him right and also that guy's report about the match being quick and easy i had forgotten all of that there must have been a short runtime hogan versus jake in winnipeg because he certainly emphasized that basically dispatched easily quick win i I wish I had more information. Please. <laughs> somebody somebody tell me. Well, I'm just going to quickly look. I'm Sometimes they have the uh, match times. I, it could have been short. I don't remember an epic, Other you know. They're going to, though. Occasionally they do. It's more of the TV taping ones. It seems like they list that stuff. I'm not saying that Jake didn't eat a boot and take the one, two, three. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. who cares about that? <laughs> we know that happened. Yeah. <laughs> or we, we think it happened. We assume it happened. There, there was no powder uh, at this. Uh, no, at this I don't remember. Yeah, no, powder. that was that that uh, was done. Yeah, no, they don't have the times beside it. It does say with the, yeah, it does say WF World Champion Hulk Hogan pinned Jake Roberts with the leg drop. So, yes, well, selective memory. Okay, so that, could, escaped, that could have so happened. Escaped, so, in, so as best as we know, he, Hogan escaped the DDT, whether it was by... Hook, leg under the rope, or by crook, kick it out and hook it up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's what it is. Okay, so that's going to wrap up this whole big long thing. If you've got any more to add, or if you've got any sort of like thoughts on that, please email us at legendarywrestlingobsession at gmail.com. Have we got any listeners in Rhode Island? Uh, A few. It comes up. It pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Have anyone in Providence? Was somebody somebody there in Providence? Or did somebody see the, you know, the the snake pit that that I saw? You know, like, back me up. (laughs) Come on, Providence. (laughs) They talk about online these, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, glitch in the matrix or Mandela effect, like things that, you know, we knew uh, as a fact as kids that are being changed online. And it's like people messing with you. And it's like, we knew the snake that happened but it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so there's a whole lot of other stuff we're gonna cram in not nowhere near this detail but we're gonna get through as much as we can try and do it chronologically as best we can and get us ready for that science man event so there's a whole bunch of piper's pits and there's a couple of matches and some cool things hopefully some good laughs the celebrities get in it's the ramp up to wrestlemania 3 the promo like the the build to it as far as the amount of time spent on tv talking about it is just crazy After, you know we saw wrestlemania 2 build up now seeing wrestlemania 3 build up it's like they took it up a notch so stay tuned we're gonna get there do you remember any wwf candy per se or anything you know in that realm i know there's a couple of famous food items of theirs no, I'm afraid I didn't really get my hands on any of that good American novelty confectionery that was <laughs> looked so tantalizing. 
Yeah, I think obviously the first thing is the you know the the ice cream sandwiches are the you know the most famous and people right because they pe- showed people in the audience, but they were yeah. plants just like the flowers That's are a plant. Right. The yeah. ice cream bars are a plant, man. Yeah. CM Punk used to like was one of his demands, a joke demand he had when he was like holding out the world title as a storyline, and he was like one of the things he wanted when he came back was ice cream sandwich. <laughs> he wanted like you know CM Punk ice cream bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the cereal. I remember the the superstar cereal. I'm not sure if it was a Captain Crunch like, or maybe it was more, um, you know, alphabets. You know, who knows what it what it tasted like? But it kind of well, there was one thing that did allow me anyway. I don't know about you, but my mom would take trips with me and my brother. We would all go down to Grand Forks, which is in uh, North Dakota. Yeah, and we probably mentioned this before. Uh, Corey and I made a trip down to uh, Minneapolis First Avenue to see Frank Black. That was another. Uh, an American uh, dinosaur junior. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I went to see Frank. Frank somebody Black else. Time. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Shit. We saw a dinosaur junior. Corey and I and another guy. And I also made a trip down uh, to see Frank Black. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we could get American cereal yeah, right. on these Grand Forks <laughs> trips, as well as like the He-Man figures. We covered that. So I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We sure for sure talked about it because that's how I yeah. got my first look at He-Man that's was right. on a trip down to Grand Forks when I was like twelve and like wow. Yeah. My my parents wouldn't buy us sugared cereal when we were kids except for at Christmas. We could have one box a year. Basically, it became this tradition. And I remember being in the United States, probably in Grand Forks or Fargo, and my pick ended up being a short-lived cereal called donkey kong which ah. was which was very basically the barrels and they were captain crunch and then the next year we tried to buy we were on the same trip pretty much similar weekend and i tried to buy my donkey kong and couldn't find it oh no and then my brother explained to me that it was just captain crunch and then i ah. fell in love with captain crunch ah. aye, aye captain now on your breakfast table donkey kong brand the sweet, crunchy corn taste will drive you ape. You love the crunch. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong cereal. It's part of this complete breakfast. Donkey Kong cereal. You love the crunch. Captain Crunch is a crunchy part of a balanced breakfast. Well, I loved the Pac-Man. Because yeah, it had little yeah. marshmallows in it. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. I guess it was like a Lucky Charms kind of style. Uh, or? Yeah. Marshmallows and corn puffs, Pac-Man cereals, part of a good breakfast. You can do it. You can do I, I didn't really choose Lucky Charms when I had my way with cereal. <laughs> when that was, you know, <laughs> when the kingdom was open, you know. And for me, the difference between the so-called healthy cereal and the, the treat cereal is, you know, parents have got to lay down the law, and they've got to buy, you know. Rice Krispies, no sugar. That's right. I yeah. mean, kids cut corners. We get our sugar anyway. Oh, Cam was the master. He just like keep pile like four or five spoons of sugar in his cereal. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do that. I mean, but he would just like load up his cereal. Yeah, cereal with sugar. It kind of like one way or another, the parents, you know, at least their conscience is clear when we're loading up on sugar at home. Um, <laughs> health tip though, just use honey because it's uh, you know sweet and it's very good for you. There you go. In yeah. almost all cases, my friends, use honey. 
I got sweet cereal from my dad who would visit me once a week because of the whole divorce split up angle. So dad's trying to earn points with the kids, you know, <laughs> the weekend father gets yeah, you, yeah. you're like Frankenberry, count chocolate, you whatever go. you yeah, want, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so that was good. The, the one upside of divorce is you you know, <laughs> once a week you get your favorite spoiled, breakfast spoiled cereal. cereal. <laughs> but WWF, so I liked the Pac-Man one when we went down to Grand Forks and got those treats and I didn't get my hands on any 80s tasty WWF candy. Yeah, no. The only other thing I came across looking for this stuff was a couple of chocolate bars they put out, and it's neat because it's like Hogan, Warrior, and Jake on the you know the on the cover of this you know chocolate bar, right? And then there was another version of the same product, but it milk chocolate instead of a whatever the other chocolate was, and that and this one was Warrior, Hogan, and Big Boss Man. Ah. Well, I had a little Hogan NWO candy dispenser. I didn't eat the candy, and I came across it, uh, I think, probably some five years after the angle, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I don't believe I kept that uh, toy because, well, I mean, I I definitely have a lot of respect for uh, that whole thing, and um, hopefully one day we'll uh, cover you know, the NWO <laughs> stuff because it was, you know, it was it was good wrestling and it was interesting and it was historically, but it's a whole decade in the future. <laughs> yes, far off, far, far off land. So yeah, it's like Halloween has probably, by the time we've aired this, has probably already happened. So hopefully you're enjoying the leftover candy you stole from your kids or that you bought on, <laughs> when they put it on uh, sale after November 1st, <laughs> go ahead and get yourself some discounted Mini oh, chocolate yes. bars. Many years I've loaded up on that half price Halloween. <laughs> and don't forget Valentine's Day. That's mm. right. <laughs> February 15th. That's right. Okay, I think it's time to get back to covering all this wrestling that we want to do before Saturday night's main event. And one last thought as we wrap up our everything we talked about with Jake in the first half. I was I was thinking about it on the break and you know we were you were bringing up the measuring at one of the snake pits like did he get out the you know the measuring tape or whatever and I'm like no that's not what happened and I'm starting to think about it and I'm like maybe that's the one where he DDT'd him, you know, because like I didn't see that part, but obviously that was part of it. Well, that's, so, what, that's what Jake contends. Yeah, I think I, I maybe missed that, you know, almost in my head was like, oh, there's three snake pits with Hogan, but no, it's probably, that's it. <laughs> you should have, uh, when Hogan was doing his, you know, his bench press or something, Jake should have been like holding the bar down on his. <laughs> yeah. <Yeesh>. Scary. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So we are going to jump in it back at this. It's a bit choppy. We're going to go back a little bit. Uh, some of the couple of things we missed in January and try to follow a chronological order, but wherever things take us, hey, that's where we'll go. So let's see. We're looking at Wrestling Challenge. Oh, this is something I want to talk about. Damn you, WWE Network. So during the you know research for this show, I came across like some prime times were missing. You know, I was going through the episodes and there was a couple that weren't there and I found them online for the most part and re- also realized there was a Westminster dog, whatever show, you know, that would sometimes po- uh, postpone, not postpone is not the right word. What do you call it? Like interrupt, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have a wrestling on because there was a dog show like that would. Oh. And that went on even into like the days of Raw. Like when, <laughs> when WF was at his peak power, they were still like having to skip like, you know, whatever Monday every wow. year on a, you know, for a dog show. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also noticed that as of early February, Wrestling Challenge, which really just started in September 86 or whatever on, you know, the show started on the network. It ends on the network and the show's certainly not over. So I found a couple of them online and then I couldn't find any more. But what I do find is links to Apple TV. So you have to pay a different subscription to get these shows. Like what, what the hell? 
That's outrageous that uh, we uh, subscribe to the WWE Network. And now they're saying, but for this WWE content, Show, yeah. pay more over here. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Foul. So, and none of the superstars are on the network. But thankfully, you know, knock on wood, uh, you pretty much so far so good. I, everyone I try to find pretty much is on, you know, YouTube or Daily Motion or wherever. I mean, that man has spies everywhere. That's right. They're listening. Stooges. One more listen. So it is going to become a little bit more tricky and difficult uh, in certain years or areas where we might not be able to find an episode that we want. Like some little tidbit might come up and then we're like, oh, we can't get it because they don't have it. Jerks. Put all the content out. Do it. Release the hounds. <laughs> okay. So we. I'm just going to fly through some stuff. You know, we're not going to cover blow by blow a lot of this stuff. Just hopefully, this, you know, little notes, topics of conversation. So heading back to January 10th, the Wrestling Challenge episode, there's a pretty short uh, sort of inset promo that comes up. It's uh, Heenan with Jack Tunney. And so remember, this is back in January. So the Piper's Pits haven't happened yet. We haven't gotten to the Hogan Trophy thing or any of that stuff. We're back. This is back in the whole like, how did Andre get back from his suspension? It's kind of funny because Heenan's getting mad at Tunney for like, he's like, I'm not giving any information. You must be the leak. You know, he's accusing him of. <laughs> yeah. Who's the mole? That's right. It's, it's short and sweet, but it's a, I just love Heenan being mad at Jack Tunney and blaming him for things. There is a match, which we won't cover. It's the Killer Bees versus Morocco and Orton. And it's interesting because Danny Davis is the ref. And if I'm correct, this is the match where I think the bees are wearing, they have this really weird outfit. It might be a different show, but anyways, we can talk about the outfit. So I don't know, Jeff, do you remember this? We all remember, you know, the bees jackets and yep. their headbands sure. and their little bee tights, Yeah, you know? Well, for a while, they were putting on like black tights underneath their trunks. So they had like black legs, you know, like full huh. full length legs with the, right. but then their bee, you know, trunks. So it's a really weird look. <laughs> huh. I had uh, not noticed. I forgot so about I, it. About a year ago, somebody posted a picture up on like, you know, I don't know, somewhere on social media that I saw. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, you know, but now I've come across the matches where they're wearing it. And I'm like, oh, sure enough, there it is. Oh. <laughs> it's a thing. So the only thing worth of note of that match is that the bees, of course, at some point after the shenanigans of Davis, you know, helping the heels cheat by constantly distracting himself with the you know, with the, the the outside good guy wrestler, so the other two can double team them. They finally get on the outside of the ring, get together, get their masks on, get back in, get that B action going. Start they start taking it to the you know Morocco and Orton, but Davis rings the bell. He disqualifies them for wearing their masks. Wow. <laughs> There you go. There's your lawful evil. That's right. Referee. Yeah. <laughs> so Corey posted go. a little funny little meme. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that after yeah. the wrap-up of the show, I think. Uh, it's something we, we talked about last show, and we'll have fun with it. Yeah, for sure. So let's skip ahead to January 17th. This is Wrestling Challenge, and Jeff speculated on something, and I saw it. It happened. So remember what you said about uh, Blackjack Mulligan, what you wish would have happened? Teaming up with the sun? Yeah. Well, the next best thing happened. Okay. Six-man tag, U.S. Express with Dan Spivey and, and Blackjack Mulligan. Right. So they're a six-man tag in a couple That's of matches. Funny. We see them a few times, like, oh, wow. come out as a, as a unit. Right. You know? And he's coming out to the American, he's coming out to their music, like the, the Americana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about that? That's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blackjack Mulligan being the father of Barry Windham. That's right. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. The first time they, they the first match we see is just like a full on jobber match. But we do get Ron Bass, Cowboy Ron Bass is starting to make an you know appearances here, and he's in an inset promo, 
and he's pretty funny. Uh, actually, his promo might be separate from their match, but I don't want to get too far into it. But he's talking about you know beating bears and mountain lions, and he's making himself sound like he's the toughest man in the world. You know, like oh, well, I guess I never gave him much of a chance. He didn't make a big impression. No, on me. he came across quite goofy to me. Uh, he had obviously a pretty long history in the other territories, and there's more to him than what we saw. And the right. interesting thing is that when I watched his first squash match against a jobber, he's using Blackjack Mulligan's flying reverse elbow. He's like, he's doing the same move, you know, whipping the guy off the, you know, you know, either off the ropes or into the corner and then, you know, leaping at him and doing the back elbow. Yeah, it's a crowded field. He didn't stand out for us at the time, no, but yeah. we, we won't, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that he wasn't really good at what he did. It just, we didn't, I didn't get to see what made Ron Bass, you know, rise to the heights that he did. That's right. And another interesting thing that came up on this is Butch Reed's got a match. I can't even remember who his opponent is. It's not really, you know, relevant. I think it's a squash match. Uh, Honky Tonk's best friend, Butch That's Reed. Right, Butch <laughs> Reed. <laughs> and uh, they introduced to the crowd the returning Andre the Giant. And he comes out all smiles. It's good guy Andre in his suit, <laughs> in his rock and wrestling suit. <laughs> and he comes in and he shakes the jobber's hands and he shakes the ref's hand and he goes to shake Butch Reed and Slick's hand and they won't shake his hand. So then he just leaves. <laughs> Uh, who, Butch Reed doesn't want to shake hands? Yeah, he won't shake his hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'll just keep moving along. Here we go. Let's the only get difference into... is that uh, rock and wrestling, Andre's got long hair. And That's this, right. This yeah, wrestling's yeah, got yeah. short hair. This is a short yeah. one. You're right. Okay. Let's get into a match. We've been talking for a while about, like, how are we going to get the Can-Am connection on our show? We haven't been able to find a match that isn't a squash match. So we've had a couple of funny little vignettes of them being, you know, accosted getting into the arena and they're uh, comparing Canada to U.S. stuff and whatever else they were doing. But here we go. There's a, there's a good match and it's it's another one of these sort of setups for WrestleMania 3, quite obviously. We're always going to pay attention to whatever Rick Martel's doing because as Winnipeg AWA fans, he's our world champion. We had him, before we embraced Hogan as a world champion, Rick Martel was the first guy to make an impression to me as like face champ, woohoo! <laughs> and, you know, this is where I, uh, you know, fell in love with wrestling. Yeah. So this match comes in. When he finally beat Bachwinkle. <laughs> 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 Jumbo Saruta. Saruta, yeah. When, he, when Martel beats Jumbo Saruta for the belt. So we have, uh, you know, the team of Orton and Morocco. They're in the ring with Fuji. They're all still kind of in their gear. So Bob's got his cowboy hat on. He's got the vest on still. Morocco's got his shirt on. Fuji's there. No kilts, no pink hats. No, no, they're not. Yeah, none of that stuff. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob has ditched the pink hat at this point. And the Can-Am Connection come to the ring with no music. I was quite surprised. I know at one point they get like sort of assigned, like for sure they get a song right near the end of their run together, which then gets supplanted onto Tito and Rick because I guess they want to, you know, the girls in cars or whatever it is, you know. Ah, like, right, yeah. But uh, I don't know it's, if they get any other music, but in this one they come out with no music. And it's pretty interesting. They come out, they got the white boots, the white tights and the trunks, and they have white jackets. And, you know, of course, uh, Martell and, and uh, Zinc with their the way their hair is and the overall size, you know, they're so similar looking, you know, from a distance, let's say, like obviously, you know, get up close, you can tell the difference easily, but they, you know, not twins by any means, but they definitely have that, like a team look, they look the same. So they're trying to get in the ring from opposite spots, but Morocco and Orton are like ready at the ropes, like, you know, like sort of chasing them off. Like they try a couple times to get up on the apron, but like they, they keep having to jump down so they don't have to take a punch in the face. Do they have tiny little flags? Uh, not that they're holding, no. On their trunks. 
Ooh, I think they do. A little, a little can maple leaf, maybe. I think, yeah, and they, a little stars well, I think, and stripes. Yeah, that, that was always their their yeah, shtick. That was yeah, the, the shtick, one. right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, we we saw that often enough. Maybe this was likely in this match. I think it was. I probably just okay. didn't notice it. I'm, I'm probably so used to it being there that it didn't stick out. <laughs> well, I just happened to have a look at Dino Bravo's first foray. Yeah, where he was wearing a sort of maple leaf pattern on his trunks. Right, but it was more like two red patches on either hip, and then it was not good. The placement of the maple leaf and the color of it, you know, let's to be classy, like he sat on a tack to be nice. You know, <laughs> we could be a lot worse than that. You know, That's right? But it was just like didn't work as far as like how do you transfer the Canadian? You know, we're we're Winnipeg Canadian boys here. And uh, Martel had a, a nice, tasteful little, you know, red yeah. and white maple leaf on his trunks. But the, the Dino Bravo look was not working. <laughs> From far with blurry, you know, cleaning your glasses. Like, what the hell happened to that man? <laughs> Poor fellow. So after a couple of failed attempts to get in the ring, they finally, they get mad and they take their jackets off. Now they mean business. <laughs> so they they just, you know, decide to take it. They know they're going to get hit, but they just, they get in and they start brawling. So they have to like, just, you know, they're, they're one leg in, one leg out and already getting punched, but they start throwing fists. Both guys, you know, every all four guys are one after the other. And so they end up in opposite corners and it really looks like they're going to set up. At this point, the Can-Am Connections actually probably has the advantage, one in each corner. Whip, and whip the bad guys like, at yeah. each other. Looks like we're going to get the uh, yeah the whip across. Or they get whipped and yeah. s- scientific reversal. That's right, yes. <laughs> so the heroes prevail. <laughs> Hooray! In certain ways these always work, depending on what alignment you are. Supposed to be. <laughs> but it's interesting, uh, Danny Davis does a really subtle, cheaty thing where he kind of gets in and interrupts Rick Martell for a second from getting his punches off. And kind of stops the whip from happening. And because Zink has to delay his whip because he's waiting for Martel yep. to do the whip, then, you know, he starts losing his little altercation. So Zink gets thrown out to the floor and Martel's being forced back to his corner. But Morocco goes and attacks Martel when he's not looking because he's, he's turned to, like, go back to the apron. So it's really neat. Danny Davis, like, orchestrates this, like, you know, advantage for the bad guys without, like, being super cheaty, but, like, just, you know, just a little here and there. Yeah. Just cheaty enough. Yeah, exactly. Don doesn't even have his, he hasn't even gotten his shirt off yet, but it's, it's you know, it's okay. So Bob, you know, it said, oh, it's Bob Morton that attacks Martel uh, before he can vacate. So they're now the legal men. So McMahon is on Davis, of course, right away. And Jesse just tells him, he's sick of it. And can they not just talk about the match for once? Like, he's, you know, every time Danny Davis is the ref, that's all McMahon wants to talk about is how it's all Danny Davis' fault. And he just wants to, like, talk about wrestling. You're a broken record, McMahon. (laughs) Why don't we just focus on the action in the ring? (laughs) So Orton takes a side headlock on Martel, who pushes him off into the ropes. And you can see Zink is starting to fight back on the floor because Morocco's out there beating him up in the foreground, you know, on the floor. So Orton knocks Rick over with the shoulder tackle, but Orton bounces off the ropes again, but is caught with a high back body drop, really high, flies in the air. And at this point, Fuji slips in a cane shot to Zink in the stomach, like right in front of Davis. Davis is looking right at him and he just, no problem. <laughs> Go ahead, use Carry the cane. <laughs> Didn't see anything. As you were. So Martel, basically after that back body drop, bends over to pick up Orton, who gives him like the double kickoff. Floors Martel with that as he attempted pickup. Morocco's finally back up in his corner and sheds his t-shirt. You know, he's really ready to fight here. Orton whips Martel to the corner and charges in behind him. But Martel does that move where he like grabs the top ropes and springs in the air. Like, I don't know. To the other guy travels underneath underneath him. him. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Little handspring, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's got his hands on the ropes. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so he evades Bob Orton coming in. 
and Bob turns out of the corner to walk into a hip toss as Mart- Martel's doing his his dancing. You know what I'm talking about when Martel does that little bounce? <laughs> like every time he does a move, he kind of it's like he's doing a little like um, timed high knee step. And he's kind of pumping his arms, almost like a little clap. Yeah, I'm sure I would recognize it. It's not coming to mind, but having yeah. watched lots it's of It's when he does almost like during the introductions, like when he's warming up, you know, when he's like, he's kind of yeah. loosening up his arms and he's and he's waiting for the people. The blood's it's pumping. Pretty, he, pretty yeah, funny, He doesn't yeah. stand still. He's no undertaker. No. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. So after b- bouncing in place for a bit, Martel leaps up for a flying head scissor takeover, but kind of like the Frankensteiner version, you know, like the straight over, like. Not the classic head scissors, but like the actual like you know hook the guy's head and then go all the way over backwards and flip him over. He does a. Did you say it's like a Frankensteiner or essentially? Well, it it's, is a, a it's a Frankensteiner on a person who's standing still. Ah, the Frankensteiner looks more like Irish. a suplex because the guy's got all that momentum, momentum and can do right. a real hard flip. Okay, this is what a lot of other guys did. I think Lanny, you know, I'm sure Lanny Poffo would do something like this. Different guys do it where you just jump up on a stationary person and then basically do backflip for lack of a better term, right. and with your legs holding that guy's head to make yeah. him roll over. Right, right. Yeah, flying head scissors. Sure. Of course, doesn't doesn't look like you know doesn't look like a Frankensteiner as far as like the yeah because you know, he kind of almost turned it into a. Pile driver. Yeah, he looks like he's spiking the guy on his head when yeah. it's done right. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. He gets it's just, what an innovative. When that happened, it was just oh, like yeah. it seemed like a you know new ground was broken. That's right. Yeah, like nobody else could do it. it was yeah, just like it's amazing. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, and then they were so good too together as a team, not just yeah. Scott Steiner's. Like all oh, those couple of years, like eighty nine to ninety one, ninety two ish or whatever. I'm not saying they're like they're bad after that, but there's just a glory period of the Steiners where it's just yeah. like nobody could touch them. Yeah, and unfortunately the the. Tag team division isn't quite there at that time. Right. It's like if only they had met up at the time when there was six or seven other great teams. You well, know? that's when legendary wrestling obsession will go to Japan-san. <laughs> that's right. And we'll go study <laughs> some matches with Sting and Muta and yeah. the Road Warriors and what, what was it? What? Violence Incorporated? <laughs> Miracle, Miracle Violence, violence Connection. connection. <laughs> Miracle Violence Connection, which of course is um, Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, let's stay on top here. So speaking of on top, Martel's on top because he's done this little Frankensteiner type move and he is, he's, his knees are literally on his shoulders, like pinning Orton down. It gets a two count. Bob slips in a gut shot and then whips Rick to the opposite corner. And there's a reversal. Pardon me. Rick gets is getting whipped to the corner. He reverses it. So Bob Orton, he decides, aha, anything you can do, I can do better. So Bob Orton goes up handspring. <laughs> Tries the same maneuver. Yes, that's expect, right. So he's expecting Martel to charge, charge in. in. And he kind of was, yeah. He's charging in, but Martel catches him in like a body slam position. Ah. <laughs> and it's kind of neat. Orton actually holds onto the rope. So Martel's struggling to kind of pull him away from the ropes for a second. Yeah, okay. And it doesn't end up being a really violent body slam. He actually has to, has to sort of like just kind of give up at one point and just drop him. You know, like still to his advantage, but Orton saved himself from getting completely clobbered. Yeah, I like it. That's good weasel out maneuver. Yeah, exactly. But I do I did love the fact that he's like, aha, I'm going to do this too. Yeah. And it just science prevails. Believe the science. <laughs> so Orton gets up and he's pinballed between a couple of punches. Martel one, zinc another. And that punch just, he does an awesome bump off it from one corner to the other. He spins like a top and then like rolls on the ground all the way over to Morocco to tag out. Nice. <laughs> it's a full ring punch. Love it. Yep. So at this point, an inset promo for Fuji pops up and he lets the cam connection know that after they meet, they will be old and ugly. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, they're going to be old and ugly? Yeah, yeah. I understand oh, the idea that they're going to be ugly because they're going to be beaten up, but I don't understand who he's going to make them older. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I, uh, you know, far be it from me to understand the wisdom of the the Far East, but I did get a little nugget from my landlord when I lived in Vancouver. So this nice sort of senior couple, maybe 
60s or you know something like that and i was living there with my girlfriend in my 30s they um had moved to this country you know so they were from china the husband didn't say much the lady was the one who said okay everything all right you know and we negotiated all our rent and stuff like that anyway one day he's over and she's there our landlord and landlady and my girlfriend's around and the landlady says something about how pretty my girlfriend is. Right. And Eva, is, she is, she's enjoying that. And then her husband, he snorts. He looks at me, he goes, huh, girlfriend, pretty. Wife, ugly. Like his what? What? Yeah. And she swats him on the shoulder <laughs> and she's like, oh, what? And he's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Okay. You'll be old and ugly, says Fuji. Oh, no. Girlfriend pretty, wife ugly. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's all he ever said. <laughs> so Morocco, again, is tagged in after, you know, Orton spilled all the way across the ring. So he charges into Rick's corner, but he's whipped into the ropes. It just, like, he doesn't, you know, he it doesn't work for him. He's getting beaten up a bit. And so there's an, an attempt at a whip, but the big man reverses it, and he doesn't notice that Zink's been tagged in. And it's a neat little spot. So he comes off the ropes and he, sorry, he reverses Martel after that tag. So like Martel's trying to whip him. He reverses it during the reversal. Martel Is it a Moroccan whip? No, it's a regular whip because he's reversing it. He's, right. not, so he he's not initiating. That's he's, right. uh, he's reversing. Okay, so yeah. right. Yes, that's how you know who's thought, doing whipping who. I thought you who. might ask that. <laughs> yeah. Who's whipping who? Yeah. So Martel does a leapfrog because basically Morocco's trying to back body drop him. And then Martel, it's neat. He does the back, he does the leapfrog. I see Zink in position, so I'm expecting them to turn around and do a double drop kick or something like that. Yeah. But what happens is that Martel immediately drops down on his back, so that uh, Zink can come over top of him and do the rolling reverse cradle into the ropes with with Morocco, who's facing away from him. It's a Ooh. it's a bit of a different spot. I hadn't quite seen any that kind of setup before. But Danny Davis, you know, he's he's here to, you know, help the heels out. So he immediately distracts himself. There's no actual advantage to it. It just kind of looks cool. It just looked cool. Yeah, it was just time. It was just well timed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It didn't it didn't look like forced or anything. It was like, right. "Oh, that looked natural." So Davis distracts himself so that as this pin is happening, there's no count, of course. So that allows Morocco to kick out because there's, you know, he's got extra seconds and it's no problem. There's a bit of a standoff when they first stand up and between the two men, it's interesting. It's kind of like Zinx looks frustrated about the non-count and Morocco slowly backs into a neutral corner. And this was, I think there's a miscommunication here. Zinc is closing in on him and then just awkwardly like sort of at a 45 degree angle dives up in the air and kind of exposes himself. So Morocco like puts his foot up, but it just, the whole thing looks very, I thought you were going left and you went right or I, you know, I don't know. There's, there's something looks wrong, but. You know, they work with it. So that's how Morocco gets a bit of an advantage, kicking Zink as he jumps into him. I don't know what Zink thought was going to happen, but... Hmm. So he picks up Zink. There's a punch and a knee lift, and he lands all that before dragging the Z-Man, the future Z-Man, to, to over to Orton in the corner for a face smash into his boot. So AC comes in to cut off Zink, who's trying to fight his way out of it. And he does this beautiful body slam. I've talked before about Orton's body slam. I just love him. Very quick tag, which McMahon's actually very impressed with. Back to Morocco. He comes in, he plants Tom Face in the corner to halt his attempts, because every time they're coming in, Zink's getting like one or two little baby shots, you know, into the, you know, body blow, but it's not enough to actually stun the heels so they can, they can keep the punishment going on him. There's a whip and a reversal, and Zink flies through the air for a more traditional flying head scissors, so he comes into the corner and goes up in the air, gets Morocco's head between his legs, does more of the, you know, Greg Gagne <laughs> head right. flying head scissors. He jumps up on Morocco, who's gotten up near his own corner, to attempt a second one right away, but he's too close to that corner. So Orton's able to just reach right in from the apron and punch him in the face. And it's kind of neat. Like Zink drops off him like he's been shot or something and takes a big bump from falling off from there. 
And it's great. McMahon wants a DQ. Why isn't there a DQ? And I'm just like, and Jesse's like, what, is it supposed to be a DQ for everything they do? Can't and I'm even sitting there as a fan going, why would there be a DQ? <laughs> One punch? Like, it's like, come on. And Davis is with Martell, of course, who's protesting, allowing this double teaming that's going on. They pick up Zink. There's a double whip for a double back elbow drop. Not elbow drop, but elbow to drop Zink. So he's down to the ground. Orton rams the face to the canvas and tags Morocco back in. And in a visual reminiscent of the famous Orton and Piper slamming Jimmy Snuka, like the double slam, except for this time they pick up Zink, both of them in a body slam position, lift him up high, and then drop him neck first across the rope, you know, like yeah. a little clothesline action on the top rope. Martel charges in, he can't take all this extra little double teaming that's going on, but Danny Davis, as we saw with the junkyard dog in the last Iron Man event, you know, when, when needed, <laughs> when a good guy's trying to come in, Danny Davis is willing to play like full linebacker or whatever, so he's like basically tackling Martel, like bear hugging him, trying to like, you know, keep him out. It's pretty good. So Morocco used that opportunity to slug Martel, and it's really a, like a four-way now. So D- Davis just backs out of the way uh, as Orton and Morocco reverse whip themselves. It's kind of neat. Like, Martel's kind of stunned. So they go up and they, like, they grab each other, and they, like, whip. No, reversal. Like, almost like the Heart Foundation to get the double momentum so that they can clothesline. So Morocco clotheslines Martel, which knocks him out of the ring, like, over the top rope. It's, a, it's actually a pretty neat move. Orton gets another one of his signature slams in on Tom Zink when he stood up. And the heels, at this point, they connect hands. Kind of weird. They're standing there waiting for Zink to rise. And they clobber him with a double clothesline. Martel's trying to get back in, but Orton's kicking him, knocking him off the apron as he's trying to pull himself back up. So they finally get back in and over the corner and they do an actual tag instead of just double teaming. And now they do, they actually do the double body slam, just like Piper and Orton did all that time ago to, to Snooka. And they right. actually, I don't have as clear memory as you do. Must have been a Coliseum video thing. Yes, it was, it was on the intro. The, oh. It was actually, that little clip of them slamming him was on there, yeah. At, towards the end or earlier? Ooh, like, pretty late in it, yeah. Like yeah. probably the last like 80, you know, 80% or something like that. Yeah, like as that music's really swelling. Right. <laughs> It's like probably like right before, it's very near to when you see Andre and Kamala in the cage. (laughs) Man, that makes the eyes bulge. Yes, that's right. So after that, they wait and they try the double clothesline again. So they lock hands again and they're waiting. But this time, Martel trips Morocco from the outside, who takes this massive bump from a standing position. (laughs) I don't know, tripping a guy when he's standing still, like, is so devastating. But Morocco really takes it hard. And in the confusion that Orton gets confused of what's going on, Zink's able to come in and dropkick Orton in the back. And Martel smacks him in the face. So Martel comes in like a house of fire. They're ready to go. He's beating up Orton in the corner. Zink is landing fist on Morocco. And now we're back to where we kind of started. We're back in those opposite corners. And no, it's going to be the double whip this time. (laughs) So it's really funny though. And at this point, we see Davis signaling. It looks like he's calling for the match. And the, the announcers don't really notice it. So the double whip happens. And it's not the malfunction at the junction. Like, you know, the two heels cracking face to face. We don't even get a do si do we get the most, you know, the one that's hardest to believe, the move of all time. Morocco runs, stops, bends over, and then back body drops Bob Orton. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen that a few times in wrestling. I, I'm not going to say it's the silliest move in, in the history of wrestling, but it's like, it's up there, you know? Like, there's there's a few things I'm sure that are like a bit so more ridiculous. I thought the two of them were about to whip. No, so the, the Can-Am connection have the advantage. They're whipping the heels towards each other. Oh, and they like the heels okay. run towards each other, and then Morocco, just as he's about to get to Orton, stops, bends over, and, and he, back body drops his partner. Own, own guy. <laughs> he's like, better you than me. The physics and like, you know. <laughs> yeah. They should have tried the dosi do. <laughs> yeah, take a page from the Funk Brothers. Double Cross Ranch. <laughs> 
So yeah, they uh, so they double drop kick Morocco to spill him out of the ring, and the same for Orton. High fives all around, but Fink announces that there's a double disqualification, which is you know, I I always wait for Danny Davis to actually just disqualify the good guys, <laughs> even when it's you know it's a situation where you think it would be a double DQ. No, just disqualify the good guys. So that's it. That's it for the match, and it's gonna that's this is sort of the thing that sets up what's coming as far as like because this is gonna be a match at WrestleMania three. This is the tag team match, Can Am Connection versus. Bob Orton and Don Morocco. It's actually the opening match at WrestleMania 3. I see. Well, I had forgotten most of that angle and heat between these guys. Yeah. So that uh, gives us a nice little fun introduction in the ring to those guys. And this, on the same episode, we see another version of the U.S. Express and Blackjack Mulligan six-man tag. And they're in a match against Jimmy Jack Funk. Ron Bass and a jobber named the Gladiator who's there to uh, do the job to uh, save the, you know, at least Ron Bass from. Yeah. And they tease some, some, it's mostly uh, Rotundo who takes the beating from the heels for most of the match, but they do tease some Blackjack versus Ron Bass moments because that's clearly what they're going for here. Sticking with Wrestling Challenge, we're into January 31st. So just a couple of quick notes. There's a match between Harley Race and Coco Beware and Danny Davis is uh, still reffing here. And it's great. He totally ignores Heenan getting up on the ring. So Coco's going for his drop kick off the top rope. And Heenan gets up on the top rope with Danny Davis looking right at him and pushes Coco, like, you know, off the top rope to crash to the mat. And eventually leads to, like, a cradle suplex for, like, the win for Harley Race. And Danny Davis is just like, no problem. Oh, Danny Davis. <laughs> There's a whole segment after a Billy Jack Haynes squash match where it's kind of like the Kamala Bundy thing where like the other guys already come into the ring. So Hercules and Heenan are coming out for their match and Billy Jack Haynes hasn't left yet. And there's almost a fight in the, just outside of the ring. Now of note, this is actually happening before the segment we saw where Billy Jack Haynes came out to be like, you know, Hey, put the full Nelson on me. So this is actually, this actually precedes that. So this is like, this is the first of the, you know, I guess maybe let's say the first of them crossing paths. So Heenan, man, it's great. Hercules has got his chains around him and like Bobby Heenan's got him like a sled dog or something. You know, he's holding him back like he, he doesn't want, he doesn't want <laughs> Hercules to, Hercules wants to go fight and like Heenan's like, no, 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 pulling him away. Right. And then eventually you, when you come back, Hercules and Heenan, they stay kind of near the ringside to watch Billy Jack Haynes have his match and, you know, use his full Nelson because Hercules used the full Nelson in his match. So they're totally setting all that up. Again, just really focused, hyper-focused on WrestleMania 3, even this, even as early as January. It's, it's really awesome. There is a pretty funny interview, very quickly, Ken Resnick's with George. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I caught the end of it, and it's pretty funny. I don't know what Ken had said to lead to this, but George is like, Elizabeth managed George. You managed Savage. <laughs> he says that to Ken Resnick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a pretty good clip of the um, Elizabeth, how she feels about Georgian Animal Steel, and Randy didn't appreciate all the nice things that Elizabeth had to say. That's right, never does. <laughs> okay, and we're going to go to an interview with Ken Resnick with Jimmy Hart and the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, well, it's Honky Tonk Man explains how it was all Hogan's idea for him to come to the WWE. That's right, yeah. He says, Hulk Hogan, he called me, said he needed a sheriff in town to clean up the WWF, and I said, I'm the man for the job, and I showed up, and I was ready. And But poor Honky Tonk. He was 
betrayed because it turns out the very first vote that was cast against him against him was none other than Hulk Hogan. He was the first one to stab me in the back and vote against the honky tonk man. And I know that. And so it's just awesome. He talks about uh, that. He no more being a good guy. None of that stuff. Um, we like to his other his other promo was awesome where he talks about slapping babies. Yeah, yeah. No more greasy babies and di- right. dirty diapers. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, it, it unfortunately we don't get uh, the honky Hogan feud. But uh, we were actually. Yeah, I mean, it does down the road, but it's not. It doesn't mean as much, you know. By yeah. the time they get around to Saturday's main event match, honk, the shine is already off a of honky. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, actually, I, I am. It's kind of fun to see Ken Resnick now. Uh, he he said he can be quick on his feet. Yeah, he definitely. Okay, we're gonna bring this segment from the February seventh Superstars of Wrestling. It's Piper's Pit, and Jesse Ventura is back, as we alluded to last show. Jesse challenged Roddy to produce the champion Hulk Hogan, and Jesse promised that he would bring Andre the Giant, that Andre owed him a favor. Don't know what that would be for, but Jesse promised it would be there. So we go to Piper's pit, and Jesse's already on stage with him. It's not Piper by himself. It's Piper and Jesse already on stage. Roddy doesn't get much in, and Jesse takes the mic from him. (laughs) And this is a strange Piper pit. When it comes to Roddy Piper, he literally is a microphone stand. Like, this is not, there's there's no other Piper's pit that I know of that's anything like this. Like, he doesn't get any lines in, really. Like, you know, he's very much a background player. He's there to hold the microphone. There's important business to deal with here. So once Jesse gets on the mic, he says he has produced Andre. And what about you? So Piper introduces, Piper says, what about my man? And he introduces Hogan to big cheers. My man is here. So out comes Hogan in his, you know, full wrestling regalia, looking like he's ready to ready to go. They're red and yellow, of course. That's when Jesse introduces the eighth wonder of the world. And as he's saying that, he, whoa, because he sees coming through the door, not only the imposing figure of the largest wrestler in the world, but the smartest manager, Bobby Heenan. Not that they weren't teasing this. For of the course, last. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure there's somebody who's surprised. Hogan looks stunned and wants to know, what's going on here, man? What are you doing with him? Come on, man. So Hogan keeps questioning, and Andre and Heenan look coldly at them, so they're not responding to all of Hogan's gestures. And Hogan's getting closer and closer to Andre, which is sort of interesting because he's not sure what's going on. He's pleading with him, like, how could you be here with him? Hogan tells Andre, the reason I got into wrestling, man, you're like a god to me. So Heenan tries to talk, but Hogan cuts him off. But once Heenan does get the mic to tell Hulk that Andre is sick and tired of, of him, and you use this man for three years. <laughs> All this stuff is really great. And, Andre, and Hogan's just pleading. He's just can't, he can't believe it. And, and Piper's got nothing to say. He's just holding the microphone. Heenan brings up the trophy, and you couldn't even let him have that. You had to steal his moment. <laughs> he brings up the fact that Hogan had to come out and steal the spotlight, which is 100% true. Yep. Calls him, he says... You're jealous. You're jealous of this man. Hogan screams, you're wrong. (laughs) It's really funny stuff. And he starts talking about, he was there when I won the championship. He poured champagne on my hand. It's a bond of friendship. And he keeps just going on and on about it. But that's when Heenan throws this in his face. Did you ever once in your life offer him a championship match? And Hogan pleads with Andre, placing his hands on his shoulders. And you may come out here with him, but you don't have to leave with him, Andre. You know, do you you have any idea what he's done to me since you've been gone? And he just keeps throwing all this stuff at him. And nobody can figure out why, you know, Heenan would be with Andre. Uh, They haven't quite revealed all those details yet, which kind of comes up a little bit down the road. But Andre slowly looks at Hogan's hands and tells him, get your hands off my shoulders. Hogan looks at the floor and he's shaking his head in denial. 
Heenan says, Andre has one thing to say to you, Hogan. And at that point, Andre places his thumb and his forefinger on Hogan's chin and lifts up his face so he can get, so he can look at Andre so Andre can see his face when he when he says it to him because Hogan hasn't looked at Andre for you know about a minute now or something 30 seconds he's been kind of like just talking to the floor almost like he's you know kind of scared or whatever and Andre says look at me when I'm talking to you I'm here for one reason to challenge you for a championship match at WrestleMania and I always remember Jesse's reaction he does this little like knee lift fist pump he kind of like he kind of turns to the crowd because he's like everybody else he's looking at them but when Andre says that moment, he like, it's like his little celebration of like, you know, I knew it. And I just, I, you know, I haven't seen this clip in years and years, but I, I, I could visualize that before I even watched it. It's pretty funny. So Hogan's like, Andre, please no, it's not happening. If you can't believe it, maybe you'll believe this. As Andre grabs Hogan's shirt and he rips it off his chest. And actually Hogan's like chain comes off as well. With the crucifix. Yeah, the crucifix. And Andre throws it to the ground and walks off the set with Bobby Heenan through that back entrance. And Hogan's like, no, man, what? And he drops to the floor, and Roddy Piper drops with him with the microphone. And I guess Jesse leaves, too, because it's, it's just Hogan and Piper. And Hogan can't believe what's going on. He's, he's, he's begging Andre to come back. And Piper notices that there's a spot of blood on Hogan's chest, which was not part of the, you know, wasn't the plan. But Andre's nail scraped him or whatever. And it's a good, it's a good big drop of blood on his chest. It's pretty neat. So it's, like, it's an interesting look. And basically, Piper ushers Hogan off to the, off the stage as they fade to black. It's just totally masterful, like... Today's wrestling, there would have been like chair shots and blood and, you know, I don't know, light tubes and pizza cutters and whatever else. And <laughs> right. Unnecessary. But we it was like, it was not being physical, was way more um, engaging and way more like made your imagination go of this match. Now, if you weren't someone who was, you know, sort of fortunate enough to have seen these different various altercations between Hogan and Andre in 1980 and different 81 or whatever other years they did them in prior to this run... And you only know, like, such as myself, you only really knew the Hogan-Andre buddy story from AWA. It was just, you can only, you're just trying to imagine the match. And there's nothing they could do on a stage to promote that match physically better than just opening the door. You know, like, actually showing us anything, actually having Andre beat him up, that would have actually worked backwards, I think. You right. Know, like, it would have taken away from it. That's true. That's, uh, so we had the benefit of being AWA fans. We knew that they were doing battle royals together, Hogan and yeah. Andre in Winnipeg. Yeah, a lot of uh, like three versus two matches. Like it'd be like he- he- Heenan family versus, you know, Hogan and Andre versus like three yeah. guys or something. Or, yeah. Actually, I think one time I saw it was four, it was Heenan and three wrestlers versus Hogan and Andre. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one interesting thing is, is that if you watch, and I saw Hogan talk about this, right before Andre grabs his shirt, you see Hogan stick his forefinger into his own eye, basically. And he has, I forget what it was, I don't know if it was Vaseline, he has something to basically try to elicit tears. Right. He's trying to he's trying to make himself, but Andre actually like um, shakes him so hard that Hogan basically pokes himself in the eye like more than he meant to, and, you know. So he actually literally kind of blinds himself for a second because he like right. you know from like the wincing from the pain and sure, ouch, yeah. But it uh, you know it does help because he does look. So Hogan's famously known as being a bad actor. You know, his failed movie <laughs> career and TV career. Right. And it's hard to say failed when you're in as much stuff as him. I mean, there's plenty of actors that never got any work compared to what he got, but he got it because he was a wrestler, because he was already famous, right? It's easy to get work when you're already super famous. Like, he, he didn't get those roles for his acting chops. But I got to give him credit for this, because I think that this was a good job. He, he did do a great job of showing 
how hurt he was like you know, emotionally as like a, his friend betraying him and all that stuff and he tries to repeat this for the rest of his life the rest of his career but he can never as good as the Orndorff stuff was with him they didn't they didn't come across to us because we didn't see enough of them being together I didn't think of them as being the greatest friends you do think of Ogan and Andre of being you know great friends going right. into this moment sure yeah yeah it, this really I mean it seems to me like the biggest angle of all time, except for possibly, which we already mentioned earlier, Hogan in the NWA, you know, those yeah. are like, but they're both Hogan, right? So the two biggest things about that ever happened in wrestling, it seems That's to right. me, were both like Hogan Pretty much, based. yeah. And I would I would give this the, the nod in terms of yeah. global yes. sort of like recognition. Right. Like, and There's, then the other way, like in the wrestling community, Hogan turning face, we know like how genius it was, but. Heel, heel, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. Like I think that anything and it's it's comparing like eras and like generations and it's it's kind of unfair. Like when people try to compare Stone Cold Steve Austin's run to Hogan, you kind of can't cuz right off the bat they're working with completely different like realities, like worlds. Like when you were famous in the mid 80s, you were so much more famous than you were in the late 90s because there were so few entertainment options. So many people saw such a huge percentage of people saw the same stuff. And I think to this day, there's no way to prove this, but I think if you could like magically survey, you know, everybody from, you know, 1970 to today and ask them to name one wrestler that like Hulk Hogan's name would be written down more than anybody else's. Like, you know, there was people that had no idea what wrestling was that knew who Hulk Hogan was. Steve Austin was never at that point where like somebody who had no idea what wrestling was would know who he is. And yeah. I, you can you can point to all you want the metrics of like, oh, you sold more merchandise and there was more pay-per-views. And it's like, well, guess what? Like, it was really easy to order a pay-per-view in the late 90s. You had to like pull teeth. You had to like be a you know, magician to get pay-per-view yeah. in 1987. Come on. Cable guy. Yeah. Like if, if WrestleMania 3 was operating in a reality where pay-per-view was as easy as it was in 1997 or 99 or whatever year you want to look at, the number of buys that show would have had would so far surpass any other show. It's not even close. Like there was... There were so many people that were kind of like WrestleMania one again. It drew in people that weren't wrestling fans. Right. This one moment. And, and, yeah. like, the, and like the regular news is covering it. Like right. and not just once, but like, you know, for like a stretch, you know, like it really literally captured everybody's attention. And the thing that World Wrestling Federation, everyone always tries to do is sort of make each one the bigger the next. This literally was. WrestleMania three was the one time where they made their little claim that this is the biggest yep. thing of all time. And we were the experts people was asking true. us what's going on. <laughs> like, you, tell me more about this. Like, oh yeah, sure. Well, you see, you know, I know all about this. You know, like little 14 year old experts. Yeah, that's right. Because we we were already watching and then were, the world tuned in, you know, that's to right, see yeah. what's going on here. Oh, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's just, it, they... They, they captured that imagination. And, and again, going back, same as we talked about not really knowing Dynamite's injuries, I wasn't really aware of Andre's injuries. Like, you know, the, the general public doesn't know that he was coming off this big back surgery and that he was really limited and all this stuff. And, and that's one of the reasons why he's, you know, he's not doing a bunch of matches. You know, he just makes his appearances. He shows up on Piper's pit, does whatever, and they just, you know, save it to get him to WrestleMania and hope that he can wrestle. <laughs> and that's what he's there to do. But as a kid, you have no idea that he isn't the killer, that he isn't going to go out there and just like clunk, like one yeah. fist on the head of on Hogan's head and it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they hit it well, his yeah. injuries and limitations. Uh, we saw it when he couldn't climb the stairs. He needed junkyard dogs help to get up these that's stairs right. in yeah, one city. That's, that's like, awesome, oh. Awesome. Yeah, in Toronto and the, with the ramp and the, the funk match, that amazing. Because yeah, there's no handrail. Funk you know. versus junkyard dog and Andre with, pardon me, with Jimmy Hart in the match as the third uh, 
partner right. <laughs> and the and the the entertainment value went through the roof. Go back to our catalog and you can hear us break down that match. That's right. Yes. Okay, so that is really <laughs> that segment is really, you know, wraps everything together like, you know, this is what kicks it off and it's really neat to watch how the TV shows progress from week to week going forward because at WrestleMania 2, I remember the few weeks of TV leading up to WrestleMania 2, they really go hard with like all the promos and the Mean Gene event centers to like show you like the you know what's going on with those cards. It all comes together so quickly because they've been building these matches since like the fall, pretty much some of them. And the previous Saturday Night's Main event, you know, we knew you know Harley Race and Junkyard Dog, Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis. They were planting big big investments to like get us to like WrestleMania three, but it all happens really quickly. They go from like announcing WrestleMania three to like what's the venue going to be to like it seems like all of a sudden the next week they it's like they announce every match all at once. Like Mean Gene has a segment where it's one after the other, and you're like holy smokes. And I think that's one thing they kind of changed going forward later in the 80s where they got the idea to like release it a bit at a time. You know, they had three three months of build, let's say, to like a WrestleMania. And then it was like, that was what I was watching on TV was because I, I knew that I wasn't likely to get a very good match on Superstars, but I could get Mean Gene telling me like one more match for, you know, WrestleMania or something mm-hmm. like that. It's usually the third installment that stinks, like, you know, the Indiana Jones or yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Wars, you know, and I mean, just in that Jedi wasn't as cool as Empire. Yeah, Spot, yeah. But anyway. Jedi has its moments, obviously, yeah. but not as a full package. Yeah. And let's, I think, I'm sure there are other, oh, X-Men, oh God, oh, yeah. X-Men 1 and 2 was amazing, X2, X3, oh God, was awful. The yeah, X3, they had this X-Men great storyline that they didn't know how to deliver on. They took, like, the juicy material and screwed Horrible. it up. Anyway, but. WrestleMania three was, you know, better. It was the best, probably, you know, I, I, I've got to be the greatest WrestleMania probably. And, uh, you know, and well, I think I, it's the most important one. I, I think you do. I think we have rose colored glasses in terms of some of the matches, uh, the, you know, the sort of the in ring probably doesn't deliver the same yeah. all the way through. Not every match is a <laughs> is a barn burner. Well, I'm not saying it's, it's Dave Metzger's favorite WrestleMania. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, you know. Oh, it's my it's yeah, it's definitely my favorite WrestleMania. That doesn't mean that it's the best, but I think it's the most important. I I you know I won't argue it's the best because that's super subjective. Yeah. But I will argue that it's the most important. <laughs> Very well. And I mean WrestleMania one's pretty damn important too, but they hadn't figured out how to do it yet. This is like this is after exactly. they figured out how to do it. And then two was kind of a fizzle in some yeah. ways. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. He's got one more thing to say to you, Hogan. Look at me when I'm turning to you. I'm there for one reason. To challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre, what are you doing, man? You can't leave like this, man. What are you doing, Andre? You can't, my cross, the shirt. What's wrong with him, man? You can't leave like this. You're bleeding. It's not out. Andre, come back, man. You don't have to leave like this. Okay, so we're back over on Wrestling Challenge that same day, February 7th. One thing we see is a demolition squash match. And it's kind of interesting because we've already gone past the whole, you know, Moondog or whatever, Rex or Spot or whatever, <laughs> I guess it's Rex uh, being part of the team. It is it is Barry Darso, but the thing that's different in this era is they haven't figured out their makeup. 
like their makeup looks okay. so different. Yeah, like both Axe and Smash look very different in terms of the the color and, and the way it's on their face and stuff like that. It, they haven't come up with their like sort of you know permanent style, which I think doesn't come up for you know a month or two before they kind of figure it out. <laughs> right. Well, Demolition had an uphill battle with me at least, and I feel Corey felt the same way. We knew the Road Warriors, and so we just, I couldn't take these guys seriously. They won my respect now, but that's because they both had uh, storied careers before they teamed up as Demolition. Yeah. Then as Demolition, they just, like, they're the team that wouldn't go away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they got themselves in a spot and kept it for a really long time. So an interesting thing of the squash matches is an inset promo with the Dream Team. And it seems like they're planting seeds for something they never cashed in. And that's like, how do you feel about, you know, Johnny V bringing another tag team? So then the dream team have to like answer this question. Why did their manager get another team? I had forgotten Johnny V. Johnny V is the original manager of the demolition, of demolition before Fuji takes over. Yeah, that's wow. right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's there with them for a while. Like, yeah, a little while. And it's kind of neat. Greg Valentine is very diplomatic and says like, you know, Johnny V knows what he's doing and, and they're the two best teams and they're going to, you know support each other but beefcake you can tell he's not he doesn't have any words but he's kind of doing everything with he's trying to give you an expression like he's not maybe on board so it's very you know it's they're trying to be subtle with you know without hitting you in the head but it seems to me like they were probably going to plant some sort of a dream team johnny v split let's say prior to what actually happens right more more based around demolition hmm. so that's uh that's kind of interesting i think from the pages of the world wrestling federation magazine here's update with gene okerland It's official. After receiving invitational bids from Wembley Stadium in London, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, Madison Square Garden in New York City, World Wrestling Federation officials have announced that WrestleMania 3 will be held at the beautiful Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. The date, Sunday afternoon, March the 29th. I remember the excitement of WrestleMania 1 from Madison Square Garden. Then last year's extravaganza originating from New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Now, with an event the magnitude of WrestleMania 3, it's the Silver Dome. I've been in the Silver Dome many times, and I can assure you that every seat is a great seat. The Silver Dome will accommodate over 90,000 people for WrestleMania 3. I'm also confident that a new world indoor attendance record will be set on Sunday afternoon, March the 29th. We just can't imagine anybody missing this, the biggest of all wrestling spectaculars. We're expecting fans from France, Germany, Africa, South America, the Orient, all over the world. Now, for tickets to WrestleMania 3 in the Silver Dome, call area code 313-423-6666. Be part of history in the making. Be one of the 90,000 plus. Be part of WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac. For update, I'm Gene Okerlund. WrestleMania 3, bigger, better, better. So very quickly with the killer cow, he's at his best when he's making friends with the heels. So that's not what we get, but yeah. it's a, you know, uh, we have him interviewing Coco Beware. Frankie Beware is there. <laughs> and uh, we learned that, I didn't realize this, how, how would we know? Uh, Frankie's only nine months and could live yeah. to be a hundred. Yeah, 75 to a hundred years, he said yeah. in the book or something. Yeah. The only clue is that Frankie's not very well behaved. He's like, you know, he's <laughs> chewing on, you know, Coco. 
Coco definitely has to do one big shrug, like, hey, ouch, you know, like he's yeah. ignoring him as long as he can. Cal does pay his respects, you know, like, how does a guy 5'7 come in here and, you know, take care of these yeah. big guys? And it, it isn't that, you know, the, there, there aren't a lot of big laughs. It's not a not Cal the way we want to see him, which is making friends with heels. That's right. But we'll watch any Cal interview anytime. Yeah, Coco just brags about how the, the top the top rope that is the, the perch, like a bird yeah. perch. It's his, his spot. Once he gets up there with his drop kick, he can take out anybody. Yeah. And does he call King Kong Bundy 300 pounds? Yeah, yeah, it's great. He goes, I can't, you know, big man like King Kong Bundy, you know, 300 pounds. And we just got to laugh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, Bundy did it to Macho Man, so exactly. I guess Coco's doing it to Bundy. <laughs> 464, more like 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think one of Bundy's legs is like 300 pounds. <laughs> mm, yeah. Obviously being silly there, but. But uh, it's all um, leading up to a match in Philly against the Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk Man has lost his straps, but his pants are still kind of shiny. That's right. And uh, we don't, well, we're going to cover the, the finish, basically. Honky Tonk Man, uh, it appears that uh, he, Coco botches or something happens. Yeah, he misses a big dive yeah, into the corner. Yeah, not a botch, like a, but as per the plan. Yes. His finisher doesn't get the job done and he misses and he leaves himself wide open. The commentators keep saying, oh, he did it to himself, did it to right. himself. And that allows, also, we see the shake, rattle, roll, named, Ooh. minted, coined, yeah. and, and presented. So that's the pinfall. And then <laughs> Honky grabs the mic and, you know, <laughs> this gimmick is so great that he thinks the fans love him. That's right. And they want to hear him sing. They want to hear him dance. <laughs> Turn he my does, music back on. That's right. And so he's dancing in the ring. He's waving yeah. his arms around. He's wiggling. Like, it's pretty great. I'm going to do what you people want me to do. <laughs> that's right. They're all booing. So Coco gets into the ring behind him and sneaks up. and uh, Flap, he, Flapping his arms. <laughs> yeah, getting ready for, you know, the bird, I guess. Anyway, he taps Honky on uh, the shoulder, and I don't know what he does to set him up, but he, he does with just a bunch of punches. Yeah, okay, because he does go up to his perch, as yes. he called it earlier, and delivers. Well, this isn't the greatest missile drop kick, but he is capable of an of a, t- a fantastic missile yeah. drop kick. Oh, well, this the top one he rope. does on Boss Man, you know, down the road. That's just so incredible, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, it just looks amazing. Plus, you know, if if, if you screw that up. You can really hurt the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which you don't want to do. This is more of a screw up because he he doesn't make a lot of contact with Honky. Honky takes the bump and everything. But it doesn't doesn't look as devastating. The angles doesn't help. Maybe if the camera was at a different degree, it would look more deadly. But at least Coco gets to um, present as the winner, you know? Because Honky runs away. With Frankie, even though he lost. (laughs) That's right. And Frankie is a macaw. That's says um, Coco, beware! And they can't learn to talk until they're about one, so he hasn't he hasn't learned to say hello yet. <laughs> yeah, he's just squawking. So I was actually, you know, uh, I'm glad to learn a little bit about. It's like looking at the side of a U-Haul and like learning, like, oh, okay, Macaws, yeah. you know, can live this long, but don't talk until they're one. That's right. Another important match on this Philly card. So it's February 14th. It's Spectrum Wrestling. You know, uh, so this isn't one of these. The difference is, is that it always aired the day, you know, it's basically a live to broadcast, which is so unique compared to everything else being taped and then, you know, delayed and out weeks later. Into the multiverse. That's right. These, you know, they have their own storyline, especially a place yeah. where they have their own yeah. TV station, their own personalities. Damn and- you, Philly, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, so there's a big match on this card. And when I initially was looking at the information, I was like, initially I was going to target this as a big blow for blow match, but I realized... We've covered this one a few times, so maybe to do a little bit less of it, but it's Ricky Steamboat having one of these title shots against Randy Savage before WrestleMania 3, 
This is after he's come back from his injury, and he also gets his time with Cal. So just like Jeff said, Ricky Steamboat's not exactly the best guy to put with Cal because Ricky Steamboat's not really comfortable with the mic. He doesn't really have that persona, that you know swagger. He's not going to brag about himself. He's not going to set up anything that's going to help Cal deliver well, any of his what? gold. This wouldn't have been bad. Yeah. In a different wrestling organization, right. it would have fit in just perfectly at the yeah. NWA where it's not cartoon characters, like they're a sport, they're wrestlers, and yes. they're competitive about their salaries. That's right. So <laughs> it starts off with Cal sets him up with, now Ricky Steamboat, or, tell me, are you here to, are you here for a revenge and to hurt the man, or are you here to not get counted out or disqualified and win that championship? And then Ricky Steamboat thinks about it for a second and goes, um, uh, C. <laughs> I had to go back and listen. And, I was like, I don't understand his answer. What he meant was both, like all of the above. <laughs> yeah, you gave me an A and a B, and I'm like, oh God, if you have to qualify your answer, Ricky, yeah. you're already. And then he says, he says, you know, it's no secret that I've had a bunch of matches against Randy Savage, and I'm sitting there listening to this going, well, it kind of is a secret. Yeah. Like, you know, Talking yeah, no me, me in this. 2023 looking at like a list of matches, sure, I know you had all these matches, but me as a kid watching TV, I didn't know you had any matches. Yeah, in the multiverse, yeah, okay, everybody knows that you're wrestling in Philadelphia and Boston and New York before <laughs> you get to WrestleMania, but... So it's neat, again, like if you're that Philly, if I was a kid in Philly, I would have this idea of all these extra matches and that, you know, there's more going on. But you were saying that he starts, yeah, he starts talking like an NWA Exactly. That's exactly where this is going is that he talks about it'd be best in his best interest to come out of this match as the Intercontinental Champion because of the prestige and the contracts and the payroll and just like talking about things we talk about in NWA. spot. I got the sweet (laughs) ride, you know, and it's like world champion or no, here and right next to the world champions, I see belt parking. So, uh, you know, he says a bunch of other stuff. We'll skip ahead a bit. And he does talk about how he has an open contract and he's let every promoter, especially the one in New York, know, which is, again, is sort of another uh, odd reference. Yeah. Like to even like, that uh, they're, you uh, know. It, wink, wink, like inside inside the curtain, yeah, you know, behind the curtain. You know? That's right. Because, I mean, like we know he means Vince McMahon, but in, in even kayfabe, who is he talking about? Yeah. Like, like I think as a 14 year old, I would have been like. New York, what are you talking about? Yeah. Jack Tunney's <laughs> World a character, Wrestling but Federation. <laughs> there aren't really promoters in this world. Jack Tunney's like running a sports federation and they're not, yeah. they're, the promoters aren't like, you know, the NWA would say like, the promoters want to make money. Yeah. Up and down the states, we're going to make money. The promoters are begging for the greatest soul spectacle in the nation. <laughs> but they don't talk like that in yeah, the That's right. Yeah. That's right. So he says he's got an open contract and he wants Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3, March 29th. And whether he's the challenger or the champion, he, he wants Randy Savage. Well. He does yeah. that well. Leaves it open that he could win tonight yeah. and they'll still get whether their Whether I win event. tonight or not, I want, I want Randy Savage. That's so clever. That's, at least yeah. he's got that. So that you is, can that you can good. bend your your because if you're you're trying to have these two multiverses together in one congruence and that's been bad things happen. <laughs> so we get into the match and again we you know we just we decided not to cover this. It's a good long match. We did take a peek you know at the end just to kind of get a little flavor for it and it's kind of neat. There's a there's a I I come back to it. The crowd's. F- frantic so like there's great action going on ricky steamboat does like a sunset flip from the outside to the inside almost gets a three count and then we see shades of wrestlemania 3 there's this quick exchange of steamboat going for like a leg trip and like the sunset rollover or whatever it's called like he does like a couple of quick schoolboy yeah schoolboy like it's boom 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 just like wrestlemania 3 randy savage ricky steamboat moving like in unison you know totally combined with each other and this is what they call the false finishes, like yeah, the, the sure. two count, but yeah. no, two count, but no, and then yeah. they, they give you eight of them, and you and it, you know, and you're just yeah. like, wow. 
these these quick one after the other, and sometimes they're kick out at ones. It doesn't always have to be the yeah. two and three quarter. You know, like yeah. it's not like every single time it's that. Like sometimes it's literally a kick out on one, but they're just going for it again. They're trying to win the match. They're not trying to hit spots. They're trying to win the match. Yeah. So and that's what's using really neat. Wrestling maneuvers. Yeah. So it really comes to an end with a rolling reverse cradle, steamboats in the pinning position, and Randy Savage grabs one and grabs two handfuls of tights and puts steamboat backwards and reverses the position. So now Randy's on top with a nice deep hold of those trunks. Cheating. Cheating. And the one and the two and the three. Not even Danny Davis. No Danny Davis, exactly. And much like his good friend Tito Santana, you know, before these big matches happen, that champion is often... You know, beating, like cleanly pinning, uh, cleanly, I just said he was cheating and then I called it clean, but like decisively pinning his challenger, you know, so it's neat. Like, had, can you imagine watching WrestleMania 3 knowing that Savage had pinned Steamboat two weeks earlier or something like that, or, you know, a month earlier? Yeah, that's the kind of stuff they kept to their chest. Yes, <laughs> we right. had no idea. You know, hold your cards tight. <laughs> that's right. So I just lament that this special Savage that we saw uh, in the November Snake uh, Roberts clash between uh, the, for the IC belt last at the um, at the end of 86 I'm so my theory my thesis my graduate doctorate paper here for my uh, the end of my 12 years of wrestling university says <laughs> that those the, the pat the pace that they set on that main event and then the wrestling challenge that we covered earlier the international taping the Jake. international yeah. taping okay and then now this match and wrestlemania 3 that randy was the orchestrator the conductor yes. and you know he gave up clean pins in two of these matches that's right you know i i admire his lack of ego he's like i don't care if i win or i lose it's all about the show that's yeah. i think what in i think that's what makes me you know love this period and basically love macho man the best is that he seemed to have no ego in the best possible way like yeah For, in, in this regard yeah yeah i don't mind you know because you hear about all these little wrestlers who won't lose right but yeah. savage like flair obviously lost a lot because yep. how do you get the belt whatever ridiculous number of times they claimed 16 it. plus times oh, yeah it's 21 if you count some of those uh right. weekend weekend mm-hmm. handovers <laughs> in foreign territories <laughs> but i do think that it's not a consistent pace we get to see for the rest of savage's career alas he changes his style to being the punching bag i think that we don't yeah. get well i mean his good guy persona for sure like he takes on the role of the sort of more more ricky morton less ass kicker but what I can't recall well enough is his return to Heeldom in 89, you know, through, uh, I'd have to do the math here, 91 or whatever that is. Yeah, 89 to 91, when he's a heel again, it'd be interesting to see what some of those matches look like. Yeah. Now, see, I... I, I don't think they're going to equal this yeah. era. Yeah, he's... I don't remember them as fondly. That's right, yeah. And I think that, like, people will talk about WrestleMania 8, that feud with Flair and Savage, and there's some brilliant stuff with it. The stuff that, you know, the the photoshopping and the, the stuff with Elizabeth that they said, like, which is funny because they actually did the photo shoot with Flair and Elizabeth around the pool, right. but then, like, talked about how they doctored the photos when the, the photos aren't doctored, they're real, <laughs> you know, ah. like, but it's, 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 you know, it made for a good story, right? Fabe. Yeah. So everyone, a lot of people say, oh, what a great match, but, like, having seen Steamboat and Flair and some of the other stuff Flair did, I was disappointed in those matches, to be honest. I'm, like, thinking, like, Steamboat Savage, Steamboat Flair, 
Flair Savage should have been like just tear the house down, yep. and it was kind of it was kind of to me it was kind of weak. I haven't watched it in so long. Yeah. Maybe I would say something different if I watched well, it today. I, I think Savage just gets his ass kicked, you know. Yeah, just so I think the match that, at the end. I, Whoop, I would yeah. love I would love to sort of rebook that match where halfway through the match, Savage frustrated that he like that you know nothing's working. Kind of goes back 86, 87 Savage. Like, he's the good guy, but he just starts cheating like crazy. And he starts playing the duck and weave, you know, and making Flair chase him. And like, right. and because Flair's great at pin- pinballing and taking all that punishment. Flair's always getting his ass kicked all the yeah. time. So why wasn't Flair getting his ass kicked? You know, they yeah. should have been kicking each other's ass, not right. not a one-way street. It was it was a, a disappointment of a match. I like the result, but, you know. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I was cheering for Flair in that match. I, I wasn't as into the, you know, the, the shirted Randy Savage and the, you know. I was dreaming of the old glory days. Yeah, you know, exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't turn my back and say I didn't want Savage to win the belt. I yeah, just, well, I, I remember wanted... you were with us. You were the only. Like, we were all. We were there with about seven of our friends, and you were the only guy cheering for Savage. We were all. Yeah. We were all cheering for Flair, <laughs> still remembering the glory of the Royal Rumble. And yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't like the finish either. You know, yeah. uh, because Savage didn't. You know, it's like he he stole it from Flair. Like even with a real move, it was like you know just casting Savage as the weaker. Yeah. Um, force in the match and didn't have the pace and anyway but so yeah um, this is the best era for Savage and it's thankfully it's not over because yeah. I mean for Savage the best is yet to come for accolades and all that stuff but this pace that he had with Jake and Steamboat I hope we can find it again I don't think we don't I don't think we see it again not as much yeah I'm sure some of these matches you know like again the MSG Boston these ones in this era we could find matches we haven't seen yet and they would hopefully stand up Okay, well, we're not done with Philly, though. We want to, like, if you actually watch this card fully, which you can't do online, you can piece it together. This match actually took place earlier in the night, but we just wanted to save it for the end. So it's, we're turning back to the fun of Hulk Hogan against Kamala. So we had a lot of fun covering that match a little while ago. So we're not going to cover the whole match again, but it's the end. Shaka Khan. (laughs) So we bring you in at the very end and we see Kamala staggering out of a corner looking like he's seen a ghost, but also that he's stunned. He's kind of a cross between Junkyard Dog and something else. And he's ready to be slammed by the big man. So like Hogan picks up that huge Kamala, slams him. And does he get the leg drop? I think he does. Uh, I can't there's a pin. There's a pin attempt. Right. I'm, I'm going to assume there was a leg drop after the slam. Right, but they didn't. He didn't actually get the one, two, three. No, no, because what got, happens next? He's got lots of backup. So, Kamala. Yeah, Kamala's out there with the wizard and Kimchi. So Kimchi comes into the ring, and to this point, we haven't watched enough Kamala to know, but we haven't seen much in the way of outside interference. Kamala really hasn't needed it, to be honest. But Kimchi comes in with that, like, I don't know what's the proper term for that, like safari hat or whatever. It's almost like a helmet. Right. Pith helmet? Pith helmet. Yeah, I think that might be it. Yeah, it's kind of that beige look. So he comes in the ring, and he dives almost like an elbow drop, but with two-handed smash with the helmet to the back of Hogan's head to break up the count. And the referee rings for the bell, but before he knows what's going on, Kimchi takes him by the seat of the pants and by the scruff of the neck and just gives him a violent toss over the top rope. I think it's Morella, and he takes a nasty bump to the outside. No mats. <laughs> Philly, yeah, Philly, scary. Philly can't spring for the cushions <laughs> on the outside. Yikes. And then Hogan is barely to his feet before he knows that he's upside down and he is being dropped on his head with a pile driver. And uh, the, the, I remember the announcer saying, give me a break, kimchi pile driver, or <laughs> something like that. Right. And then kimchi stands over his man, and they get Kamala, and they splash Hogan. Now, I wanted Kamala to go to the top rope 
like he'd been because he'd been sending all these jobbers off on stretcher jobs on TV, but that didn't happen. They they end it there, but Kimchi reveals that maybe it's not Kimchi, maybe it's somebody else. And he takes the mask off, and we realize there's tape and like mini prosthetics, and underneath the mask, the feud isn't over. It's Paul, Mister Wonderful Orndorff. Wonderful. Yeah, we love it. He's standing over Hogan triumphantly, like Hogan is really clobbered with pile driver and a big splash. They have him at his mercy. So it's great to see. Um, and just when you think that they're going to, I think they, they, Orndorff's probably trying to get Kamala to climb up at the third yeah, row. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they are going to do more damage. Thankfully for the fans of, of the baby faces, not us. <laughs> uh, the rescue is made by the Islanders. Yes. And Billy Jack Haynes. Ah. Yeah, the three of them come in to make the heels hit the bricks. And Hogan is spared further damage, but he's left in the ring. Quivering. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he pulls the quivering. Yeah, the quivering leg. He's the, so good at chicken, that. Yeah. Punky chicken on the ground a little bit. <laughs> but it's neat. I, I think it's cool to say, like, hey, mid February, Paul Ondor's still sticking it to Hogan. He's still yeah. he's still in his he's still a thorn in his side. Well, there is isn't in there one more Orndorf Hogan. There's no big match. I'm sure there's probably some house show stuff right. still coming up, maybe. Like, I haven't looked for it, but so I'm the sure. the cage I, match was the end of it that on was, Saturday Night That was January. Yeah, yeah, that's the last Saturday's main event match they have. They, they'll, uh, they're going to be, they're both in the Battle Royal, so there's, there's that. But obviously, the Hogan-Andre is the, is the story behind the Battle Royal, not, uh, not, not Hogan-Orndorff. Cal Rudman here in the interview area, and I got uh, Frankie Beware, and his master, Coco Beware, he's got a real tough match. Uh, that you're going to see in a moment or two against the uh, Honky Tonk Man. How you doing, brother? I want to say hello all to the fans out there because tonight that's when the bird's going to fly. So I want to tell you one thing, brother. Honky Tonk Man, brother, I know you're making a big name for yourself. So is the bird man, Coco Beware, along with his friend Frankie Beware. And all the little birds is going to be right there at ringside. And what a great time we're going to have, Mom and Dad. So bring them on down because we're going to have a good time right here tonight, brother. And I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Frankie can't wait. Woo! Primetime, such a better show than what we had to satisfy ourselves with. Like, there's no jobbers. Well, well, and with is, these exceptions, yeah, with the exception of our favorite jobbers. But usually, when they and when they are, they're usually against each other. It's a competitive match, <laughs> right? Like Tony Gurria against yeah. say, Pete Doherty. You'd be like, Something oh, like who's yeah, going to exactly, win? Yeah. Now we should also say that Tony Gurria, of course, he was you know prince of the WWF in his day. Yeah, yeah, he was a big man in, in one time. Yeah. Did he have any singles titles? Well, I'd have to look it up, but it's certainly the five or whatever it is, WWF tag, WWWF, and I don't know if there's a regular WWF right. tag title, but he's, yeah, he teamed with everybody. Yeah, and so he had a lot of gold for a long time, but then, you know, later on, he's helping other talent get over, so he yeah. uh, he does the job, and it's a courteous and professional thing to do, even if it might, uh, for some people, be unpalatable. Anyway, we're, of course, in the Duke of Dorchester's home court, <laughs> which is near Boston, and uh, we don't get to hear, I wish we couldn't hear Pete talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't growl as much in this match, but he's wrestling King Kong Bundy, and it's so great that they're putting him in there, you know, as a kind of a jobber elite, but like Bundy sells for him. But he also, he also has like a storyline going well, into it, you know? Yeah, Gorilla says, like, the Duke of Dorchester on a winning streak. Yeah. Whereas before he likes to say the Duke of Dorchester has eight thousand three hundred and forty nine losses. He's going to retire after his. Free. He told me he's, well, as soon as he wins a match, he's going to retire. <laughs> and so he's on a winning streak. Presumably this battle royal where he yeah, double crossed yeah. Bundy. Well, no, he or no Bundy double crossed him. Remember, knocked got told him to go up to the second rope yeah. to get Mulligan, and then Bundy knocked him off. Right, and then. Bundy was oh. going to eliminate Mulligan, and, and Doherty came back in with a chair. <laughs> we watched that, and that yeah. was so much fun. And then you told me yeah. 
that we didn't get we don't to have see footage. it. Yeah. Ah, that, that's okay. Yeah. So, okay. Like, the next night or two nights yeah. later, he. So presumably that's you know what he's referring to on the winning that, streak. That's his win. That's yeah. his win. Okay, <laughs> so he, great. He won. A, he won one of these Bunkos battle royals. He won it. <laughs> and as as his privilege, he gets to face King Kong Bundy. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's heel versus heel, but the Boston crowd kind of loves him, and yeah. like the, you know, looks like the match is over because Bundy is going for the splash. You know, he bounces off the like after some clubbing him, beating him up a bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't think actually Peter uh, Pete has got any offense like at this like fifties. Like, we watched a two minute video, so I, without going back and saying I remember everything that I saw, the match could have been longer than this because I don't remember the maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the point is that when Pete Doherty rolls out of the way for the big splash, the crowd pops for him. You know, <laughs> like not like a uh, road warrior pop, but you yeah. know they love him. They love their heel, <laughs> their heel jobber. And and then Bundy very generously he takes an eye rake and sells, and he even sells a couple of forearms. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's pretty great because, you know, um, that allows Pete to, you know, kind of pull a couple of heel tactics that can work on anybody sort of thing. That's that's the beauty of the heel that's tactics. Right. Yes. Poking the eyes or yeah. or even like the Vern Gagne finger rake express, you know. <laughs> so it's really fun because um, Bundy does let he, he, he he's ouch, ouch, or, you know, oh, the forearm. <laughs> but there's at least twice where Bundy, you know, pulls him up off the mat, even three or four times where the three count could happen okay yeah yeah yeah. he doesn't want it to be over yet yeah and he doesn't demand five count he just pulls him up i'm not done with him <laughs> even though bunny's not a big talker uh but he yeah he's just sort of like the the commentators say that bundy's angry he had to take the match you know <laughs> and you can sort of be like see challenging for the world title at wrestlemania 2 yeah, yeah. uh, you know <laughs> wrestling pete doherty <laughs> yeah it, his decision somewhat backfires because because Bundy chooses not to end the match the three or four times that he's would have been able to, uh, at one point Pete Doherty is able to get a little advantage and buys himself enough time to go get a chair, <laughs> and he gets back into the ring, and Bundy's just recovering from the ice scrape or something, or maybe the right. ref is lecturing him. You know, it's going to yeah. be some combination some kind of or something. Yeah. yeah. So Doherty gets a chair shed on him, Bundy, <laughs> but it's more like uh, like tucking him in at night. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, or yeah. like you need. Bundy's at the dining table and, you know, I'll just get the chair behind you, you know, because <laughs> it's a very thick, padded, soft, comfy chair and, and Doherty hits him with the padding and Bundy just turns around and glares at him and Peter's like, oh, and the referee doesn't even disqualify him. He just like... Doesn't count. No, because it had no effect. So the referee's like, I'll just forget it. So he throws the chair up the ring. He's like, oh, and he's just growling and groaning. And then Bundy closes in for the kill and beats him up and gets his three count. But it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Anytime we can see sort of like this storyline very quickly, there was uh, Steve Lombardi. Of course, the Brooklyn Brawler is wrestling under the Steve Lombardi sort of regular jobber gimmick at this time. But he's already developing a bit of a character. You know, he's getting to talk a little bit more. And there's a match that Paul Roma's in and Paul Roma loses the match. Can't remember who he's wrestling. It's not important. He's beat up after his match. So Steve Lombardi comes into the ring and he picks up Paul Roma and he throws him over the top rope, kind of like get out of my ring. And then Steve Lombardi goes on to lose his match against whoever he's wrestling against. But it like actually sets up down the road, like you know, the next month there's a Paul Roma versus Steve Lombardi, you know, in Philly or New York or wherever on TV match. That's like the follow up to this little heat we saw on syndicated TV. Right. Nice, so like, yeah. it's neat that this the lowest of the low, like you know, not the no names, but the the yeah. bottom of the rung guys can can not only show up and have a match, but like have a storyline. Essential. They can't all be title matches. That's right. Okay, on the same prime time, it's important we got to go back to Piper's Pit because people got to know, will Hogan accept the challenge? 
So even though it's the biggest thing that ever happened in wrestling, by the time this last Piper's Pit comes along, I, I actually, it's a, one section, one section, they needed to have Piper uh, Hogan's reply, but they could have done this in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're used to Piper's Pit being a minute and a half yeah. to three minutes. So they just, they dragged it out for about four minutes. And, you know, I just, um, anyway, uh, too much talking. We've already, all the excitement's happened. Finally, Piper says, yes or no, are you going to, you know, take it? But did you have any comments about it? Because this, this. I just, I just remember the way Hogan answered and the, the edit to the crowd. Like it's, it's really the way that's put together. I don't know if it's actually. It ends up. well, yeah. but it's pretty boring until it ends. Yeah. Tell me yes or no. Are you or are you not? gonna fight him at Wrestlemania 3 for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes or no? Yeah! So when Hogan finally says that yes, he'll wrestle Andre in the crowd I also think it's funny that he comes out still holding the ripped shirt and like the broken chain. Like it's as if he hasn't gotten rid of that and doesn't have a new shirt. You know, like he rips his shirt every match. So why would he still have his ripped shirt? Right. Yeah. Not my favorite. You know, at this point I'm like, okay, uh, I'm they, they, yeah, I uh, I guess. So just forgive my negativity about this one, but, uh, you know, Piper's talking, but he's, it's face Piper. So it yeah. does, it's not funny jokes, insults. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, no. He's there. He's there for a very specific yeah. point A to point B yeah. and to get you somewhere. And, and, you know, it, it, you know, it just hurts a little bit to see Piper being nice to Hogan. It just, it's wrong. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> I can't, can I say, you know I mean? Like we we've enjoyed. We also have to remember that, that Piper at this point is like basically on the path to out the door. Right. So he's not really getting any more. There's no more storyline for him other than his match against Adrian. Well, and I liked it when he abandoned Hogan in the ring yeah, and gave yeah, him the up sure. yours. Yeah, and that yeah. was like Piper was, that was pure Piper. Yeah. Right now he's having to be the mic stand, as you said. So I just, yeah. I, that's why this uh, segment grates me a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So another important thing on this primetime happens immediately following the segment after a little bit of uh, Monsoon and Bobby have a little chat about, you know, what they just saw. Some good stuff. Uh, Monsoon making some gambling references <laughs> before the segment. But we get to uh, actually a backstage talent, Craig DeJour or whatever his name is, who I remember for many years being back there and not being like a fan of back then. I remember thinking like he's kind of taking away somebody else's job. Like, why are we not seeing this guy or that guy? Because yeah, now we have getting, great memories of him. Now we're but... getting him instead. Yeah. But he's there to speak with Jack Tunney, who's got an announcement. About and before he can even get to what he's going to say, whiz, whiz, like there's somebody goes through the set, and you, re- you realize that it's, it's Danny Davis. And Danny Davis has stormed in front of the two of these guys on his way to the ring. So Jack Tunney actually sort of jogs after him with the camera following in hot pursuit. Yeah. And we get to the ring, and there is a match about to start. Tito Santana. Tito Santana, and, and a, a quite, a nice, quite a nice blue jacket that he, I haven't seen him wear before or after uh, too many times. It's usually just the t shirt. And there's a jobber there. Danny Davis storms in the ring. Confronting Tito. Confronting Tito a bit, because they've sort of reinvented this heat from the Tito title loss to Savage, because Danny Davis literally was the referee in that match, even though he had nothing to do with it. That heel character had nothing to do with it. We talked about that many episodes and ago. he was very gentlemanly and that's very right. nice man. After Caring Tito. to Tito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it was, it was easy enough for them, just as easy as they can ignore things. It's just easy to make stuff up. So they kind of like played into the fact that like Danny Davis let Randy Savage use that illegal object. Tito yeah, cost Tito the title. So not. they have heat. They're lying. And then John Bonello, one of our you know least known but one of our top favorite refs from uh, the you know Maple Leaf Wrestling and from the big event. You know he he's in the ring as the ref, and Danny Davis gives him a good two handed shove, which really fires Tito up. So now Tito's like got the fist cock and he's ready to yeah. punch Danny Davis. 
And that's when former tag team champion John Bonilla. That's right. That's when Fink leans out of the ring and puts the microphone in Jack Tenney's face. And he kind of unfortunately starts talking before the mic's even there. But the gist of it is that Danny Davis has been suspended for life. Yeah. And what have they been waiting for? Like after that Bulldogs match, like he should have been suspended on the spot. <laughs> well, that's true. He's kicking the ropes. Yeah. And then Jimmy Hart. Comes yep. down to the ring to and him. gets yep. in, into the ring. Yep. And he basically, uh, he's pulling Danny away from fighting with Tito. Because Danny looks like he wants to fight Tito. He, yeah. look, he looks brave. Yeah, yeah. He's ready. He's he's willing He's willing he's, to fight. He doesn't look big enough to fight Tito. No, no, no. But as we know, he's during this era, he's wrestling under a mask on this as a jobber wrestler at the same time. You know, he's he's getting in he's getting in the ring already before before he's made this transition to what is, you know, becomes Danny Davis the referee, you know, the wrestler, pardon me. Mm. Referee to wrestler. And but he's already got his, you know, he's already been a wrestler, uh, as we find out now as adults and looking back. But we've been it's been many months of this Danny Davis story. Great reasons to despise a character are so important. And Randy Savage delivers that in spades, and so did Danny Davis. And it's just, you know, you've you got to have a reason to hate these guys and want to see them get their asses kicked, whether they cost your favorite team the belt or whether they're bullies and cowards. That's what it's all about. Good reasons to boo the heels. And Danny Davis was some very smart booking. I hated it at the time. And that's the idea. <laughs> Jack Tunney, you suspend this man? You bar this man from refereeing? Well, that's just great with us. You know why? Because now he's a professional wrestler. That's right. Danny Davis, the newest member of the Hart Foundation. And you see, we have open contracts. We have open contracts for Danny and single competition one-on-one, baby. Hey, tag team. Hey, it's open. You see the Hart Foundation, the world heavyweight champions and last but not least the six man that's right six man matches denny davis the anvil and the hitman all together six mans or whether it may be hey tag team competition last but not least single competition denny davis the newest member of the heart foundation thank you jack tunney who is the smartest man in professional wrestling and why am i Okay, we just got a few more things to wrap up. There's a couple of funny things. So we're just going to whip through them really quick. So just to wrap up this whole Danny Davis stuff, we do get a Heart Foundation match where they introduce, they're fighting the Islanders, so it's a real match. But Danny Davis comes to the ring with Jimmy Hart and the Heart Foundation, and we see him in what becomes his new ring attire where he's got this sort of like... White top, like long dongs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like long sleeves. And then he's got the barber pole, vertical, black and white. (laughs) You know, like it's not horizontal, it's vertical. He's got that almost like a ref shirt almost in yeah, a way. Yeah, because they're straight. They aren't really yeah. spiraling down his That's leg. That's right, yeah. They're, it's a straight up and down vertical stripes on his Invoking the referee. Yeah. yeah. And it's this at this point that they announced that he now has is a licensed, you know, wrestler. He's got the Jimmy Hart. He's part of Jimmy Hart's stable and they have an open What's contract. What's stable again? Oh, yeah. The you broken, say it. Broken hearts is something bad. God, you better than that. <laughs> broken hearts, bones club well, band. Come on, say the whole thing. Jimmy, the Jimmy Hart broken hearts club band. Ah, God <laughs> broken, damn it. Broken, Jimmy Hart's broken bones club band. Broken bones club band. Christ. <laughs> get it straight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll get them to edit that into the WWE network for everybody. So there is mention, I think, in an inset promo or however, they, or maybe the announcers bring it along. But basically, they have an open contract. He'll wrestle anybody, and they'll wrestle as a six-man unit, the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis. And this leads to a segment of 
the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana sort of in the back of the arena somewhere at a table signing contracts for WrestleMania three, <laughs> like the and the big mistake that they made. And Davy Boy even gives a bit of a promo, which is you know never a good, never a great idea. And Dynamite says something, and Tito, not the greatest promo himself, looks like looks like a Shakespearean <laughs> thespian. Great. He's got his glasses on, or I can't remember. I don't think so. They're just like in their sort of like pre ready to you know wrestle outfits and stuff like that. So that gets us to like that big six man tag match at WrestleMania three. No tag team title match, but we do get a six-man tag team match. Well, of course, and that was what was so frustrating. We were like, the Bulldogs yeah. need their chance to get the belts back at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about that next what week. What the hell? You know, our, our WrestleMania 3 what if, and uh, there's there's so many so many things, and that's that's a big part it's of the it. The only reason we accepted the loss in the first place was like, well, they're going to get it back, right? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to burn this fucking town down. <laughs> and we're riot. <laughs> We're going to skip ahead to the February 28th Wrestling Challenge. There's actually a match between Billy Jack Haynes and King Kong Bundy. I watched it. It was like fairly entertaining. And we'll just skip to the end. Bundy misses an avalanche, and Billy Jack catches him in the full Nelson. And it's wow. pretty great. Bundy's doing these great facial expressions. Like, he, he's as big as he is. He can't get out of it. You know? Yeah, I do really enjoy Bundy selling. Yeah, and so he then runs in the ring and punches Billy Jack in the back of the head. So he lets go of Bundy and kind of throws Bundy out of the ring. He starts chasing Heenan. And Bundy's trying to recover, but Hercules shows up, and it's great because like Hercules seems to almost be sort of like separate from the rest of the Heenan family. Sometimes, like I don't have a lot of memories of like, you know, you remember Stud and Bundy always being together, and there was that thing when they, when Orndorff comes back, they're together. But otherwise, it's sort of they're broken up a lot. It doesn't seem like they're together a lot. So Billy Jack takes a bit of a beating from Bundy and Hercules. So this kind of furthers along this storyline heading into WrestleMania three, the Battle of the Fall Nelsons. But the big thing at this point is that everything comes together with the celebrities for WrestleMania 3. So WrestleMania 1 had the really high celebrity power. WrestleMania 2 took a little step down. <laughs> we had our G. Gordon Liddies and our... Herb, burger guy. <laughs> you got it. So, and, you know, Susan St. James and, like, Elvira's pretty cool. She did a good job. But, I mean, there was, there was some pretty weak stuff. So WrestleMania 3 doesn't have a lot of celebrities. And I wouldn't even say they're bigger celebrities, but they certainly fit better. So we end up with Bob Uecker, who does a couple of WrestleManias in a row. He's really All quite funny. All I gotta funny. know is 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 that food? Pity the food? Are we gonna be pitying the food? <laughs> no, no, Mr. T's Thank out goodness. of it. No, Mr. T for quite a while. Mr. T's gone for a long time. <laughs> we don't see him again for a while. But the other one who I forgot how entertaining the whole thing was was Mary Hart from like Entertainment Tonight. And like you gotta remember back then, Entertainment Tonight was a big show. Like she was oh, really yeah. she was really famous. Yeah, like yeah, I, I I enjoyed Mary Hart. She was a classy lady that you could have a crush on. Yeah. Beautiful. And then the other piece of the puzzle is that they, you know, the singer for the, the whole thing, the opening, the opening, uh, they don't do the anthem. They do, I guess, America the Beautiful or something. And I, I won't do the, the Vince McMahon, but the. The Queen of Soul, Miss Arita Franklin! frankly <laughs> yeah exactly. On her piano on the big stage out there. So we see a whole bunch of inset promos and little video vignettes of them hyping up from for the next few weeks it's going to be euchre and mary hart wall to wall but there's actually great interaction so we'll we'll try and bring a little bit of that flavor here because it's it's pretty funny let's take you now ladies and gentlemen to mary hart from entertainment tonight the host of entertainment tonight and i might add indeed the guest timekeeper in wrestlemania mary hart unfortunately was with Bobby the Brain Heenan out in Hollywood. Here's the way the conversation went. This is Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm going to welcome Mary Hart here from Entertainment Tonight. She's going to... Can I borrow your jacket? 
Well, can I buy... Well, wait a minute. Why would you want to borrow my jacket? Well, because I like red sequins. You're wearing it. I don't own one. I'd love to wear it. Dear, you hang around me, you can wear a lot of things. Because I'm managing the champion of the world, WrestleMania, March 29th. You you're really... going to be there ring the bell, aren't you? I, I've always wanted to have my bell rung. You know, you really are a weasel. Boy, Mary Hart, one of the prettiest ladies, I think, in all of entertainment. Certainly, we're privileged to have her as the guest timekeeper in WrestleMania. Did you see how thrilled she was to be with Bobby Heenan? Yeah. To WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome, including Mr. Baseball, as guest ring announcer, my very dear close personal friend, Mr. Bob Euchre. Recently, Bobby the Brain Heenan having a run into Mr. Baseball. Let's take a look. Hey, Bobby, I can't tell you how excited I am about WrestleMania coming up, man. I'm in. And you're going to announce the next world heavyweight champion, Andre the Giant. You got that right, buddy. And one of the reasons I wanted to do WrestleMania 3 is because I want to be like Bobby Heenan. I love what you wear. <laughs> you want to try this on, pal? Yes. Come on, it's the first time you have something with your name in the back. You've got a number. Be oh. All right. Now, Bobby, that's why you, you were got... traded. Give me oh. that thing back. Now. All right, let me pose down for you, Bobby. You Just like announce it? the champion. You that's like all it? you got to do. The champion, Andre the Giant. Who knows? We'll all be there. WrestleMania 3. Got it. This is Jesse the Body Ventura with Entertainment Tonight's Mary Hart. Mary is going to be the official timekeeper at WrestleMania 3. Now, Mary, I've got to warn you. I will be up in the broadcast booth. I will not be down by ringside. So you're not going to be able to see my beautiful body that close to you. Don't be thinking about me now. you got to watch the watch. You understand that? Jesse, there's just one thing. When you talk to me late at night on the phone, it's so much softer. Don't let them know that. Okay, I'll be there. Recently, ladies and gentlemen, the guest ring announcer in WrestleMania, Mr. Baseball, Bob Eaker, caught up with one Andre the Giant. This was their first meeting. Let's take you now to the footage we have. Euchre meets Andre. Hey, I can't wait to get to WrestleMania 3, March 29th at the Pontiac Silverdome, right outside Detroit, Michigan. I mean, one of my greatest friends is going to be there, a guy that I met a long time ago over in Europe. I travel to Europe like four or five times a year. I met this guy. At the time I met him, he was doing Greco-Roman wrestling. You know who it is? Andre the Giant. The guy's my best friend. I can't wait to see this guy. I have to see. <laughs> my goodness, we're looking forward to Andre the Giant indeed, but talk about big, powerful men. That's what we have in the ring right now. So we'll just wrap this up with one quick syndicated six-man tag match, which actually had this little angle in it that I'd forgotten. When I watched it, remembered it, but the bigger storyline, totally remember this little unique spot of it, I forgot. And it ties things back together and makes things make more sense. So what we have is a six-man tag match. It's the Dream Team with Johnny Valiant, with Adrian Adonis and Jimmy Hart. And Dino Bravo's in their corner, so it's a really full heel side. <laughs> they're, they're packed. And they're taking on the Can-Am Connection and Leapin' Lanny Poffo. So I figured Lanny's there to take the job, but things go differently than I expected. The match ends with like sort of this melee where they've got Martel trapped in the heel corner, and he manages to make like Adonis and Valentine take this big bump, but Beefcake has beaten him up in the corner, and Adonis gets back up on the apron, and Jimmy Hart hands him scissors, and he... Unfortunately, without looking, doesn't realize that Martel has switched positions, and now it's Beefcake who's in the corner taking the punches in the stomach, and Adrian Adonis cuts his hair. 
Right. And uh, unfortunately for Ed Leslie, it's already thinning. Like, yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> his hair's on the run. That exposes a spot that's pretty open there. That's right. And that's, They've been wrestling since the 70s. That's and right. Catching up on them. So Beefcake is just outraged and turns to Adonis, is yelling at him, what, you know, waving his arms. And of course, Martel, like any good wrestler would in the 80s, takes advantage. A little schoolboy roll up for a very quick three count. Somewhat neutral behavior, really. That's right. Yeah. Distraction, but hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's turnabout's fair play. That's right. And so it ends with basically like Adonis and Jimmy Hart leaving, and Adonis is pleading his case to like Beefcake that he didn't mean to do it, and Beefcake is really pissed off. But I mean, I I think this sort of restoring this memory helps make sense of you know a big angle from WrestleMania three, and you know what happens with Brutus and why he does what he does. You know, it just it all makes a lot more sense. Yeah, this is definitely a bit of hidden build. This this is the first seed of Brutus the Barber beefcake, I would say. Yeah. Because uh, he's done an injustice here. His hair is cut. And uh, that's what he's going to ride to his biggest WWF fame is the shticker that he cuts people's hair. That's right. All right, we're going to wrap it up this week. Next week, we'll be back with Saturday night's main event, number 10 from Detroit. A massive battle royal and a tag team title match. The Hart Foundation versus an unlikely team of Tito Santana and Dan Spivey. And people probably don't remember this match very well, but I love it. It's awesome. And I will tell you all the great things about it <laughs> next week. Any final words, Jeff? Thanks for sticking with us. Our extended approach to WrestleMania 3. But since WrestleMania 3 is kind of like the biggest thing that ever happened to wrestling, we appreciate your patience. That's right. See you next week. Take care.